the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it's the day before the 4th of July. It's pre-4th of July. Woohoo! By the way, tomorrow, if you want to go and watch the fireworks over the river in Little Rock, let me give you some advice. Don't go sit along the river on the Little Rock side to watch them. At 6 o'clock, Dickie Stevens Park opens. It's absolutely free to go sit there. Sit on the third base side and watch the fireworks. And I, I'm not sure. Russ may be able to tell me this. Russ, are they going to charge three bucks for parking? That I do not know if they're charging for parking I would. or not. Okay. I mean, I would if I were I'm there. I'm sure they will. <laughs> okay. But, you know, take three, take $3 with you just in case. Uh, are they opening up all of the concessions? I do believe the concessions are going to be open, though. Uh, the beer will be open? I bet. I'm sure. <laughs> okay. I'm, sure. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Go have a shock top. It'll be fun. <laughs> but in bottom line, you can watch the fireworks sitting down at Dickie Stevenson, and as soon as the fireworks are over, walk out of Dickie Stevens, get in your car, and miss all the traffic, basically. <laughs> Could we go to your skybox? Yeah, uh, yeah. I wish I had a skybox too. I wish I had one though. I'm, I, if I can save up enough money next year, we'll do a party up in one of the skyboxes. That sounds like fun. We'll we'll give away tickets. We'll go out and do remotes and give away tickets to uh, to listeners to come join us. I have to be honest. I have actually thought about going up on the roof. You know that's got to be a great vantage spot. Well, yeah, but but you can't see in here. I mean, you can't. Well, hear. you want to watch. See. You want to watch the game. Is that what you're saying? No, I want to watch or, the fireworks. Oh, on the roof. On well, the that'd roof. be an all right place to be to watch the fireworks. But you can't hear you can all see, the music. You can see everything. above them. Who cares about hearing the music? I don't go to uh, hear the symphony. I go to watch uh, the fireworks. Uh, oh, I want to hear the the you know yeah you, some of the yeah, music. You can, no, you can the music. see fireworks from all over the place from the top of the roof here. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, from here you could. Yeah, you could see them. You know, that's a good idea, Russ. Can we sneak up on the roof? Up on the I'm watching her. He's going to tell me. I don't know anything about it. Okay. You know what that means? Yeah, that's Sergeant Schultz. Bottom line is that means we know. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but I can't say it on the air. Melinda or Sally hear anything at all about this? We are in so much trouble. Okay, I got you. But anyway, the ballpark opens at 6 p.m. tomorrow night. And uh, I highly recommend that go over and make yourself comfortable on the third baseline and watch watch the fireworks. And it's a great place to sit. I mean, you're looking Dude, right. You got the whole bowl up there. You can sit in any seat. Yeah, from I first understand all the that. way over to third. But on the third base side, you're you're looking right down the river where the fireworks are going to go off. No, first base side. Of course, of course. If I sit on the first base side, I'm. You sit on the first base side, you're looking at at the Main Street Bridge, which is where everything's going. (laughs) You sit on the third base side, you're looking at the Broadway Bridge, which is still going to be open for traffic. That 1.6 million judge, whatever his name, bridge. Yeah, I'd be be looking out towards the river on the third (laughs) base side. 
third base side yeah you're going to be looking to right field yeah that's where i want to be looking that's where he wants to be. broadway bridge is in right field that's fine that's i was in left field it's behind me you're the always bridge, the bridge the broadway bridge comes behind you're third, always third base on the line. first base side okay. who's on well, first all right <laughs> bottom line sit down in the doggone <laughs> ballpark and watch the fireworks <laughs> Because you can get out of there a whole lot faster than you're going to be able to walk from the river, find your car, try to keep from being trampled to death, and then getting in all that traffic and getting back on either 630 or making your way over the bridge into North Little Rock and then down to I-30 and going whichever way you want to go. Whether you want to head down to I-40 or you want to head back westbound to... uh, you know, it's Bryant and, and Benton and whatever. So, anyways, go have some fun. Watch the fireworks tomorrow night. If, if I can walk after, because tomorrow I'm making ribs at my house. Mm. And after I've eaten the ribs, if I can still move, <laughs> then I might go see the fireworks tomorrow night. Although Cabot has a really good fireworks display, typically, but I don't know where they're firing them off this year. Are, are they shooting them off over at the church? All I know is uh, Jacksonville will be having it uh, tomorrow night at the new shooting complex. Well, that's fourth. In, in, so on, fourth. The, on the fourth in the South Bend area. Okay, there over there by the uh, shotgun. Yeah, right. in South Bend area, which is Old Military Road over by Sunny's Auto Salvage. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, you, we'll huh? be cooking. Yeah, we'll be cooking about seven hundred hamburgers and hot dogs tonight for the community. And we'll be shooting fireworks off at 9 tonight at South Bend mm-hmm. Fire Department. Okay, oh, so really? what's happening over at Cabot? Look, you used to be used to serve on the quorum court. What are they doing? I, None of I your friends are telling you? Everybody's no, being I mum. Don't, I, don't I haven't any, heard anything. No, I haven't heard anything either. It's typically shot off at that Baptist church, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because normally I, I just I just park over there at where what now is the senior center used to be not a senior sitter center there just a parking lot and i used to park there and watch the fireworks so i have not heard i have not now i have to take my my uh my grandson out sit on bring the, him over to south bend tonight we'll get you a hamburger set him on the hood of the car let him watch might have to come out and do that that might be fun all right anyway remember you know that uh when we celebrate tomorrow we celebrate the birth of this nation and that uh, this nation gives you freedom that you don't get any other nation. Some of that freedom has been disappearing, uh, and we got to keep fighting to keep as much of the freedom as we possibly can. Uh, had a great talk with Robert Steinbach yesterday about how the left says that the right has weaponized the First <laughs> Amendment, which I thought was interesting. Right. Freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. We haven't yet. You got to read that article, though, <laughs> RD, and, and you got to read the part. Well, here, hold on. I got the article here. Let me let me grab it. I got to read one little section <laughs> of it to you because I, I I read it and I just looked at. I just told Robert. I said, "This is like shooting fish in a barrel to to, dis, to, to destroy this argument." Here's what the writer says. He says the Roberts Court, more than any other modern court, has trained its sights on speech promoting conservative values. Only the current court has resolved a higher fraction of disputes challenging the suppression of conservative rather than liberal expression. See, there's not just free expression according to the left. 
it's either conservative expression or it's liberal expression. It's not just expression. So they, they're very subjective. In it's not who, equal. Who, that's exact. It's not this, equal. This is exactly right. Listen to this. It's crazy. The principle is not free speech. It's, no, it's, it's not. It's what kind of speech. It is what kind of speech it is. The court led by Chief Justice Earl Warren from 53 to 69 was almost exclusively concerned with cases concerning liberal speech. Of its 60 free expression cases, only five or about 8% challenged the suppression of conservative speech. The proportion of challenges to restrictions on conservative speech has steadily increased. It rose to 22% in the court led by Chief Justice Berger from 69 to 86 to 42% in the court led by Chief Justice Rehnquist from 86 to 2005 and to 65% in the Roberts Court. Now, just for a second, somebody here in this group, tell me why they might be taking on more conservative free speech cases now than they did back 40 years ago. Oh, Paul! Paul's there, ready. Paul's got Paul's got his hand. He's waving he's <laughs> his fingers at me. So, is there's nothing left that this that the left wants to talk about? That they're not allowed to talk about, is there? I mean, they 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 can say and do almost anything in the public sphere, short of running around naked. And they do that in some places. <laughs> you go San Francisco, buddy. All right, two, Elizabeth. Two, two words: Citizens United. Okay, that's that's one of the big court cases, of course. R.D., how you dare want we to let those conservatives chime in? I say Donald Trump is the reason because they feel like that they, they won't get politically executed for, for going against the left. The reason there have been more conservative cases heard is because we're the ones that are having our, spe- our free speech taken away from us. That's the oh, why. I see what you're saying. That's I why they're hearing saying. more cases. Well, absolutely. For goodness absolutely. sakes. And that's because the predominance of the liberals over the last 150 years in our judicial system who keep making rulings from the bench. Yes. Very good. You're doing really good. See, in 77, liberals supported the right of the American Nazi Party to march among Holocaust survivors in Skokie, Illinois. Far fewer supported the free speech rights of the white nationalists who mm-hmm. marched last year in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. That's right. What's the difference? <gasps> According to you guys, they were both Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I mean, seriously. A think, different think side about of the political spectrum. Okay for me, but not for thee. Okay, now have freedom of speech as long as you don't disagree with them. That is exactly. This is the point. As you read this article from the New York Times. It's all about subjective looks at, at speech. If it's liberal speech, it deserves protection. Well, it might even deserve if government funding. If it's conservative speech, it does Cut not off. deserve protection. Check this out. Okay. Let me read one quote. Once a defense of the powerless, the First Amendment over the last hundred years has mainly become a weapon of the powerful. This is according to Catherine McKinnon, law professor at the University of Michigan. Legally, what was toward the beginning of the 20th century a shield for radicals, artists, and activists, socialists, and pacifists, the excluded and the dispossessed, 
that's who's supposed to be protected only according for the left, right? Okay. Has now become a sword for authoritarians, racists and misogynists, Nazis and Klansmen, pornographers and corporations buying elections. Unbelievable to listen to somebody take that kind of a view of the First Amendment. It just really makes me worry. Well, it should. I mean, when when you're coming from a political point of view that those thoughts seem to be appropriate and right, correct, I tell you what, folks, if you believe in the principles of our country, the way we were supposedly founded, you better get busy because they are winning. Yeah, they're, this t- is they're scary. going to take it away. This yeah. is very scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I've never heard any lefty ever say. It just really amazes me when I read that article. Robert sent it to me because he wanted to talk about it yesterday, and we, we spoke about it for about 45 minutes. Bottom line is, is the left now is attacking the right saying that we're taking away the left's freedom of speech. That what? is that is so crazy. Well, that's Where? exactly what they say. Thank you very much. Where is it happening? Uh-huh. I mean, Where it's not it's told? not the right that. It, here's the key. They talk about all the the the, the speech that uh, they're bringing up with the conservatives. How many cases have they taken? Have has the Supreme Court ruled that's taken away free speech from the left? <laughs> None. I can't think of any. Zip. What? 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 What, what government agency? What czar? What? What? What kind of group has, has been out there that has, that has been that has been limiting the left on how they can communicate? I mean, where's an example of it? The very fact there that there is you, no example. That's the point. Well, that's. What I was going to say the very fact that the other side exists meaning us, the conservatives, are out in the public space and are allowed to have an opinion. I promise you, the left is going to tell you that that's an aggression against them. The it's, very it's, fact it's that like you exist. It's like yelling fire in a theater. Because huh? you don't think like they think. They think we all got to think the same. Well, we all got to be part of the collective. We're already, have, we're already being forced to pay for the, for the um, indoctrination that, that goes to their direction through, through public yep. schools and wherever else. We're, we're being forced to pay for it, so why, why can't we just be forced to shut up too? Because this is America, and that's not the way we do it. Well, maybe they need to pass a law against us. <laughs> Obviously, I'm like the laws we have now it. are working so well. Well, well, I mean, it's when you can go to a, a a cake bakery and and that you know is owned by a religious person and tell them, um, well, you got to bake this cake for me, or else we're going to shut you down and well, send you a hundred fifty thousand dollar fine or whatever it is. Well, actually, at this point, no, the cake right. baker got his uh, yeah, way. They, they, finally, they, they did. And finally, here's, and after being the, shut down and their business go, gone in some cases, yeah. perhaps. Here's what the, and here's after what the, the, here's what the left would say. That wasn't a free speech issue. That's what they'll say. <clears throat> That's the big thing. They tell you that is not a free speech issue. And that, again, is part of the problem. When they control well, the conversation, they control the, the media, they control the narrative, and our side keeps buying into it. Right. And, and sometimes it That's might, part of the problem. And on some level, it may not be a free speech issue, but it may be a freedom of religion issue, which is also a First, First Amendment issue. It's a yes, First sir. Amendment issue and, as well. And, and so you're – but sometimes, though, in the case of some of these cake bakers, if, if they're telling me I've got to write on that cake, congratulations, Bob and Bill, on your, on your wedding, sorry, that's a free speech issue. Guess what? You're t- telling, forcing me to, to help them celebrate 
their their immorality. All right, one last statement from so, RG, and we got to what take a scares break. me as a person that controls the money, controls everything. Whenever you've got a state that relies on about at least fifty percent of its income from the federal government, then the federal government owns you. Yep. Hmm. Arkansas, got you on the plantation, don't they? Arkansas is about 80%. And that's where they want to keep you, dumb yeah, and you better believe it. And that's why they, when they did ACA, they wanted to get as many middle-class people as they could on it. Yep. Because then you become beholden to them. Yep. That's what it's all about. All right. If you want a career working outdoors, serving uh, your community, then listen up. You want to make a difference in the community? Are you detail-oriented? You strive to do the right thing? If you want a career with a leading company, you can work with your hands and thrive in the outdoors, then you need to join the PI Roofing team. PI Roofing Home Solutions is expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow. And now they want you to come build your future with them. PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities in their commercial roofing and service division, uh, residential roofing and service division, and home solutions division. And they said, uh, Joel Johnson wants you to know that they'd love to see you make a difference with them as you climb your ladder to success. To apply, go to piroofing.com or call 501 707 3551. Okay, so I told you yesterday that I thought that David Lucas and his maximizing Social Security class being held on Friday, July the 13th should be filling up pretty quickly. I hadn't heard anything from him, so I, I fired off a, a text to him and came back that he's got just a couple of seats left uh, for you to go to this. This workshop makes claiming your Social Security benefits simple and easy. The registration is $18 and includes a 34-page workbook, maximizing your Social Security benefits. Uh, what you need to do is just call them and, and set this up. You can do it over the phone, 501-653-6690. Again, you call 501-653-6690, or you can go to the website, davidlucasfinancial.com. And again, he's just got a couple of seats left. This is going to be on Friday, July the 13th. Uh, keep this in mind that uh, your decision uh, can literally trigger an avalanche of taxes and double your Medicare premiums. You want to know what you're doing when it comes to claiming your uh, Social Security. So if you want to go to that, give them a call today. Again, that's uh, 501-653-6690. Uh, we're about 90 seconds away from our one-minute news update uh, from SR, uh, SRN News. So uh, with that said, we won't continue our discussion because I don't know any of these folks that can say in 90 seconds what they want to say. <laughs> I know Paul can. Did I just hear crickets in that studio? Yeah, you did just then. Yeah, when you hear, sometimes, Especially when, now. When you hear the truth, sometimes it's difficult. I'm just we saying. We just said that federal money is not free. It comes with That's strings right. attached. Yeah, we were talking during the break about that. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, for instance, your school budget or your whole school system, probably that you get about 7 to 10% of that budget from the federal government. And you get about 90% of the rules that you have to follow 
to be able to get that 10% of the money. I, now, I, I'd like to know what it is at Cabot because I would run for school board saying, hey, look, I'll vote against taking money from the federal government if you all will vote to raise your own taxes to take care of it. Just cut the spending. Public schools are way overfunded right now. I mean, I, th- I think the last I heard Conway Christian. Okay, how about if I say it this way, Paul? I'll try <laughs> to make it more palatable for you. We'll cut as much spending as can be cut, and then whatever additional funds that might have been may be necessary, we will ask the local folks to give that money. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me go back now just a moment with Paul. Paul, you know, I'm all about saying the, the point that I'm trying to make about Let's getting, make it less bad. Get, get the federal government out of education. If you could get their money out of your budget, you would not be beholden to them right. on their rules that they tie to their money, which would mean you could start setting up, you know, the the, the curriculum right. that you wanted to set up, and the folks who are the voters and, and the, your clients, which are the people who are putting their children in their their schools, right. would have a say on what could and could right. not be taught. Right. I think that I think it is a good idea to get us weaned off federal money because right now the state of Arkansas, I, th- I think. What what is the total budget? Is it twenty six billion or something like that? Yeah, we're and, do we're we're a little under six billion as a state uh, in the money we've got that we're spending from our tax right. monies and the total. But then is, it's like twenty six billion dollars and just like another right. twenty so, billion so, of pass through money. Right. So we've basically eighty percent of the of the money that's spent from from government from the state level, I guess, is is federal funds, which is insane and i don't know how much of that what percentage of that money is arkansas money i I mean i know we're a debtor state we are the last number i heard was that for every dollar we spend we we pay in federal taxes that dollar 42 comes back to us and so we're actually a welfare state from Mm -hmm. the and so that which is which puts us puts us in a bad position because it's hard for us to tell our politicians here in arkansas well you know what we need to um to um to to stop begging for so much money because we're de- we're dependent on it. But see that yeah that and are they, we and they really sell our rights? Are we really dependent on it? That that's the question. Can you run an efficient state government without the federal money? If I'd you sure want be to, wanting to try. If you want to I, run, I, lo- an efficient I would state love. Government. See, I would like to see Acre over at Conway mm-hmm. at UCA. Yeah. I'd love to see them do a study on that i think that the burden of the extra regulations you know everything we send i always think of the highways you know you send highway taxes to dc we get only a portion of it back but when it comes back we get all the extra rules and regulations and things that we have to pay money Mm -hmm. to administer so it costs us money to get the money back and we don't even get 100 percent of it back to start with and that's the case with everything that goes up to the federal government comes back to the state it's nuts and if we didn't have all that regulation extra regulation we might be able to do without 
the well, extra money. <laughs> and I think a lot of the regulations are what part part of what makes things so incredibly expensive. I mean, yes. I, I recall having heard that um, the Empire State Building there in, is it New York City that um, was built in like eleven months. T- today, what would that take? Ten years. I don't know. It, because of the crazy it might take It may take 10 years to just get the building permit. The permits. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so we've got, we've got so, so many regulations that makes it make, make things so incredibly expensive and slow that what would a highway cost to build if it wasn't for the, the, the regulations that are just choking us? Like when you've got to use unionized workers. Well, yeah. and given mm-hmm. the fact that Trump is rapidly changing the regulatory picture. It might, it might help a lot. And what's the statistic, Dave? Do you remember how many well, regulations he, he wanted to pass two? He wanted to get rid of two for every one, and we've gotten rid 20? of like 20 or 22 for every one. one that's been passed, yes. Yeah, so it's getting better all the time. But Well, I tell you what, not so much for small businesses. No, not for small businesses. <laughs> I mean... Uh, the state of Arkansas is a small They're business biggest in, is <laughs> biggest enemy because you go to a small you go to a rural area and say you want to open a business you're going to do water runoff tests you're going to do a sample uh, samples of the soil you're going to have to hire a civil engineer how and many, spend how a many couple but hundred. how many of those tests that the state or your local government tells you is being run because the federal government has rules that they have to follow yeah, so they've probably, got they've so they got a, free money they've got to dig they've got to pour you know probably the dung on you yeah i don't know but i'd probably say you know what they say them. you know what well, what rolls downhill that's exactly right but you know i have <laughs> a specific instance sooner or later i have a specific yeah. instance i spent a couple of like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in two years trying to get a license to open a business and uh after uh, they gave me permission to open, I followed the civil engineering plan and everything on the $250,000 I spent trying to get to open up. The fire marshal wouldn't sign off on it. The local fire <laughs> marshal wouldn't f- sign off on it, it because he had a friend that owned another recycling facility about five miles from there. There you go. But he said he wanted an extra road built that wasn't in the $200,000 civil engineering plan that was on top of it. We had to come so up with some, something to protect his friend. So sometimes the small agencies, like look in Lone Oak. Loves has been trying to put a truck stop in Lone Oak, Arkansas at the exit, and they have the land there to do it with. But the people say, well, we're going to afraid it'll bring in prostitution and, and, and some type of people that we don't want. So you've got that a like private cool. company wants to come in and spend millions of dollars in Lone Oak County and collect who knows how much taxes from all the diesel that would be sold there from the 18-wheelers going by. And you've got people that want to fight progress, and those people probably own small businesses in that area that Maybe. they think will be affected. Maybe by. those government officials don't like the fact that the prostitutes will compete with their prostitutes. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what, but a lot of times it's the smaller city yeah. governments and the local ones that, that are, are treacherous. That are really treacherous, but but uh, I, I've, I've worked with all of them, and so that RD, put who, me out of business. Tell me, all right, I, I know that uh, Cypress is running for mayor again. Who's the woman? Ann Gillum is running. Ann Gillum has lived in the community all of her life, and she's been on the city council for, for several terms. Okay, now my question is this. When I look at her branding statement, it worries me. <laughs> all right? Cypert says, keep the progress going. 
okay? And I like some of the things that Cypert has been able to get done. I look at what she's saying, and she says, bring the hometown back to Cabot. Now, is is her idea of Cabot going back 15 or 20 years to the way Cabot used to be, the old sleepy little town, or does she want to move forward creating jobs and things of that nature? Her branding statement makes me nervous. It makes me not want to cast the vote for her. Well, what what do you know about her? Well, what uh, she's I'm putting very... him on. I'm putting him on the spot. <laughs> Go, hey, Ann Gillum is a very open-minded person that's very easy to talk to, and right. you can call her up, and she's just like talking to your neighbor next door. And uh, so, you think she, I could get Cypert and her on to talk? I I, I think you you wouldn't have any trouble getting Ann on. Okay. I, don't, I don't think you'd have any trouble getting Ann. Think on I'd have at problem all. getting Bill on? Uh, I don't know. I've got yeah. his number. I can call him. Yeah, let's get, let, him. let's get them both on and see. But uh, yeah, I, w- but I just want to know what her vision in the future is. The future of Cabot. Yeah. Well, ask you her. Know, I, I want I Cabot like to, to continue to grow. She should be able right. to put a statement out. Well, they're on that. growing right now, but you know, you we'd like to see an industrial park, you know, and, and try to attract jo- attract jobs. Yeah, attract jobs. So you know, growth depending on where the money's coming from for the growth sometimes can be positive and negative you know we can say hey we can get billions of dollars of federal money and put everybody in arkansas to work but that's not my idea of growth hey big 321 and uh kerr road looks like they're going to build a big filling station yeah there. that's casey's yeah that's yeah, a Casey real, going in there real nice going in there hey Kevin, how about uh, one of those beaver places we needed one of those beaver places that i see down in texas you know they got nine thousand pumps <laughs> yeah I, i'd like to see a factory to put some of the people that's living in government housing to work what you, I'd like to see. You think they'd get jobs? That you, well, they would only get jobs if you allowed them to be hungry and not get free health insurance. If you take their free health insurance away from them and take their card away from them to where they knew what it was like that's to do EBT. without. That's an EBT. Yeah. Get, let them, let yeah. people be hungry is a, is a – And that's a motivator. People say, motivator. Train, train people, listen. Let me tell you what. When you're hungry, you'll train yourself. You will find a job. I have been unskilled labor before, and I've never been unsuccessful at anything I've ever tried because, you know, I've had my back against the ropes, and I'm going to give it 110%. And, and, and if the government will get out of the way and let, let people get hired, I think that would be another another thing. Just Because, you know, if, you know, if I was unskilled at, at anything, maybe if I was in a foreign country, I didn't know how to do what people were doing, I can push a broom. Right, I mean, you know, hey, I, I can push a broom and at least work but, for enough to feed but myself. But that requires that you show up, you be drug free, and you're physically able and capable and willing to push well, I, the broom. I tell you one thing that does not work. One thing that does not work, and I've been in the vocational system, requiring somebody to go to a vocational college before you give them what you're going to give them anyway. All it does is cost more state money to hire a teacher to stay in a room with a bunch of people that don't want to be there. Learn. That don't yep. want to be there, yep. but they got to get their box checked off before yep. they can get their state check coming in. That does not motivate the teacher. It does not do the children any good, and it costs state money. So people say, uh, make it available. Right now, vocational training is available, but the people that need to be there are the people there that want to learn something. All right. Let's get a break. 
Going to do that. It's about a quarter till three. We've about ready to wrap up our first hour here. Coming up next hour, just so you know, uh, Robert Steinbach will be with us. He's a law professor at UALR uh, over at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, by the way. Article today on the front page of the Demgaz, ban on abortion via pill is blocked by uh, District Judge Christine Baker. We're going to talk to Robert about this. He said this is a, a real technical kind of decision, so we want to talk to him about it, uh, as well as Griffin's lawsuit rejected by a panel at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. We'll be able to talk about that in the next hour uh, as well. By the way, congratulations to Axiom. Their marketing unit sold for $2.3 billion dollars uh and uh, that will be closed sometime by the end of this year what that will mean for people out in conway that works for axiom i can't answer that maybe they the people maybe the people at axiom can answer it for you all right we're down to uh, about nine minutes remaining here in this hour uh, again coming up in the next hour we'll uh, talk about this uh blockage again uh, or should I say opening for Planned Parenthood uh, to uh, give people this uh, death pill uh, for abortion uh, here in the state of Arkansas. And we'll talk to uh, Robert Steinbach and have him kind of walk us through what's happening here. The Eighth uh, uh, Court of Circuit, the Circuit Court of Appeals, made the statement that uh, stopping the folks from doing that was legitimate, all right? And how they stopped it is they said that if you handed those pills out, you had to have kind of like treatment rights at a hospital. That's that's what the law requires. Or somebody who had those. You had to be able to deal with them. So if your patient got in trouble then you could get them into a hospital to get them treated. You get them the care right that they Right now, need. they don't have that. Because you're, you're basically giving someone medication that will cause them to miscarry, yes. if I understand it correctly, which like, I guess sometimes can actually be pretty dangerous on some mm-hmm. Now, this is not yep. what they call the morning after yes. pill. Yes. That's exactly yes. what it is. Is that, is is that exactly what, what it is? is. That's right. what it is. But it can yeah, go, what it is. I guess it can be up to, what, eight or ten weeks after um, conception uh, that i don't know i think i was reading that in an article here but the, the bottom line is is that it went to the the circuit the circuit ruled in favor of the law of, of for the state all well, right basically reinstated which is the, act 577 all right so they ruled they ruled in favor and so uh, planned parenthood appealed to the supreme court the supreme court said sorry we're not going to hear it because the the circuit court didn't do anything wrong, and so the 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 ruling of the circuit court stands. So that meant that they shouldn't be able to prescribe the drug. Now Baker is saying, "Well, I've done some more, you know, study on this, and the Supreme Court ruled in Texas that." what they're trying to do here in arkansas isn't constitutional so she's she's playing solomon here 
or trying to and is parsing things or you know her Ruling her from way the bench yeah she's making law for and that, that i mean this is beliefs. this is why i call her doc you know i call her judge death yep. all right because she doesn't know a an abortion ruling that she does not like that's right all right if it if it if it's in some way Killing clapping time. down on abortion she will do whatever she can to uh, get that law out of right. and, the way and technically this law doesn't prohibit abortion what it does it requires them to have yes. admitting privileges but here's the problem hospital. there's no hospital that would give admitting privileges to an abortionist rightly so i no, think mr cox would probably be a good person to talk to on this issue who's that mr jerry cox. Cox. Jerry oh, cox. cox yeah i've got a a thing from from jerry on that but we're going to talk to robert to hear what he has to say about the legalities of this and then um I'll have Russ give uh, Jerry a call at the top of the hour, and he can see if he'll be available next hour to to talk to us for a few minutes uh, about it uh, as well. Luke McCoy sent me some information earlier that uh, I'm sure Jerry would come on and, and talk about this. We're going to have Rose Mims on at 4 o'clock right to life. She'll know. I'm, I'm sure oh, she'll yeah. have things to say oh, about yeah. this as well. We're going to talk about Camp Joshua with her and uh, also with Robert I want to talk to him about Griffin's lawsuit was rejected uh, by a panel, uh, if I'm not mistaken. That was the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, wasn't it, uh, um, Elizabeth, if I'm not mistaken? The Eighth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis, yes. Yes. So we've we've got that as well. Oh, um, and we might bring up sometime about the Arkansas tie wheel. That's yeah, we're going to bring that up, too. Yeah, we're going to talk about that as well, R.D., R.D. has more information about our wonderful tire law here in the, uh, the state of Arkansas, which is... Arkansas Tire Care. Huge, huge. <laughs> it's a huge boondoggle, I'm just telling you. It's a huge boondoggle. I should get Joe back on. I mean, he can, he has the perfect solution to all this, but nobody will listen to him in state government. He's, he's talked to uh, people within the governor's office, mm-hmm. and... They say, you know, that makes a whole lot of sense. But do they go and look at it and give and get it over to the legislature? No. So, so who, was it, who, who was it that, that bought this piece of legislation to get it passed? Fight. Fight, yeah. Fights it. Of course, it establishes so many jobs, so many good jobs more, and, and more bureaucr- nieces and nephews and, and, and cousins. and Nepotism. And uh, exactly, and uh, it puts a lot of small businesses out of businesses and creates a lot of revenue. So, so creates it's, a it's, lot of revenue. It's it's the classic way of of growing government. Exactly, it's good for everybody except the people. Yeah, yeah, except <laughs> the people that pay taxes and own small businesses. But every, every all the big businesses that can afford to incorporate it into their system, and everybody that. Uh, it's our underfunded state government. But we've got, All right, we've let got, me let me bring something up okay. real quickly because I was wrong in what I said. The abortion pill is not the morning after pill. Okay. Okay. That's what I was just. The morning out. after pill is contraception, says Rose Mims. The abortion pill actually kills an unborn baby up to eleven weeks old. Yeah, I think the morning after pill is 
isn't it basically just a, a, a big dose of contraceptive hormone? It's different well. hormones. The morning after pill prevents the egg from implanting in the uterus. The, the abortion pill that, that Dave is talking about, the egg has already implanted. The f- it kills what's there, right. and then well, your body expels. Right, but the, the prevention of implantation is also uh, – it, it's, it's, a, it's a post-conception um, Absolutely, the egg does not attach until it has been conceived. You could debate at what term, if you want to talk about terms in the morning after pill, as far as when does does conception start. And the morning after pill, I don't know, it could be used uh, up to... You know, a few days later. So, right. so I think they both have the same effect. One is just earlier and one is later term. Right. So I we'll let Rose explain that to right you at 4 o'clock. Right. Okay. That's what I was Because for. what I'm hearing from Rose is that's not the way it is. is. That is? Yeah, okay. no. yeah right. it's not that way. All right. One one is, uh, is after conception. The other is before conception. Okay. The morning after is before. It's a conception thing. All right. All right. So we'll... We'll talk to Rose Mims about that. We're going to talk about Camp Joshua as well. Robert Steinbach will join us in the next hour, talk about Baker's uh, decision on the uh, abortion pill and Griffin's lawsuit rejected by the panel. See what he has to say about both of those here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. Power Panel's back with me in a few moments. Stand by. Here we go. (laughs) Coming back. We're on the air. We're on the air. (laughs) Shh. Calm down. (laughs) If you could only hear the discussion that goes on. We need to charge pay-per-view for that, right? Yeah, in the the break. It's always interesting. They're probably recording it, and we'll use it against us later. Uh, Yeah. All right, so Robert Steinbach is with us. Hi, Robert. What do you say, brother? Not a whole lot. We're sending you that other article. So... uh, at the 15 break, you'll have about uh, three minutes to peruse it, okay? Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> I love I You have three minutes. Three minutes to get you ready to talk with us. And he says, and of course, Robert says, ruling. no problem. What we can I, handle it. What am I supposed to do with the other two and a half minutes? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's what I got for you. I wanted you to come on and talk about this, this uh, ruling by uh, U.S. District uh, – Judge Death Baker, um, right? Because when it comes to abortion, you know how this woman's going to rule always. If if it's helping Planned Parenthood, she's behind it. She has been that way f- for years now. Uh, she looks at Act Five Seventy Seven of Twenty Fifteen, which is also known as the Abortion Inducing Drug Safety Act, which requires doctors who perform pill induced abortions to first secure a contract with a second obstetrician, gynecologist who has hospital admitting privileges and agrees to treat the patient if complications arise. Now, this was found by her to be unconstitutional. It went up the the ladder, the judicial ladder, got to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. They said she was wrong. That was not the case. Then Planned Parenthood, since they lost there and and this law was going to go into effect, pressed it to the Supreme Court. It got to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court looked at it and said, no, we're not going to look at it. They vacated it, went right back to the Eighth Circuit. Uh, Court of Appeals said what they said stands. Now, Baker 
seems to me is looking at this and saying, well, okay, so you sent it back to the Eighth Circuit. Uh, they're standing. Well, I say the way I I see it is that I'm uh, I did some more some more searching out. I learned a little bit more about this, and now I can continue to allow this pill to be prescribed. Is is that in my own in the way that Dave Ellswick says it? Is that the way basically this is working out thus far? Uh, I think it's partially right. I think there's a little more going on. And, and so it, what happened initially in Baker's court, and you're right, look, Baker's a liberal, and liberals support abortion. And they're pretty upfront about that, by the way. You know, it used to be, frankly, that the left used to say, oh, we want abortion rare. I don't even hear them say that that much. Hmm. So... Whatever the, the political, religious, philosophical beliefs, the left supports abortion. And this case comes before Baker, she's a liberal, and she says, according to federal case law, meaning Roe versus Wade and other cases decided pursuant to Roe versus Wade, which she has to follow, even if she didn't want to, but she does, uh, you can't, A, prohibit abortion, and B, and here's where the important part is, you can't create a law that effectively prohibits it, even though the law doesn't say we prohibit abortion. So if they say you've got to jump up and down on one leg while twirling uh, uh, a flaming be- a bowling ball, etc., etc., uh, and then you can get abortion, uh, that effectively prohibits abortion without ever saying we're prohibiting an abortion. Now, that's a ridiculous example, but I do that on purpose to to come up with a ridiculous example. The question here was and is, does a law regarding the abortion pill that requires the doctor that prescribes the abortion pill to associate with another doctor in case there's a complication where the second doctor has admitting rights in certain hospitals, uh, does that make it effective? that you can't find a doctor who'll give you the abortion pill. Now, people who are against, against abortion, of course, don't mind that outcome, but put that that's a policy preference and, of course, a legal preference as well, but currently the law is that abortion is legal. And so uh, the court said, the, Baker said first time round, hey, that that law makes it effectively impossible to get an abortion. Now, that's a question of fact, right? That is, how many people could get an abortion if this law were enacted? And it's future-looking, right? Because it was once the law was enacted, it was brought to Baker, and she said, oh, that wouldn't allow effectively anybody to get an abortion, which we can't know 100% because you're looking forward. I'm not saying it's impossible to sort of get a sense of those things, but it's a future-oriented determination. That's okay. That's injunction. So the court says, no, that means you effectively can't. It goes up on Eighth Circuit, and the Eighth Circuit says, you were pretty quick to come to that conclusion. You need some more facts, because as I said a moment ago, this is fact-based. How many places would be available? You need some more facts. Moreover, the, 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 um, I think it was the Fifth Circuit came out with an opinion that sort of highlighted the point that she was making, that is, if it's effectively impossible 
uh, to get an abortion, that's a violation of, or, or contrary to, you know, violation of Roe versus Wade. So she went back and she got more facts. Now, I'm not saying she did it well or not well. I don't have a clue, frankly. And she brought in that case from Texas and she said, okay, I got some more facts and I'm bringing in this other case. And I, again, find the same conclusion that it's effectively impossible to get an abortion. Okay, let me stop, let yeah. me stop you yeah. right there. Yes, because sir. if that's the case, then doesn't she need to go back to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals and say, hey, look, I got these extra facts and whatever. Look at what right. you ruled against me and change it. Uh, close. The Eighth Circuit, as I understand it, sent it back to her and said, get more facts. When an, when an appellate court sends it back to a trial court and says, get more facts, the job of the trial court is to, A, of course, get the more facts, and then to issue the ruling. The way it gets back up to the Eighth Circuit is for the losing side, in to this appeal. case, uh, the government, Rutledge. to appeal it back up to the Eighth Circuit. Okay, so Rutledge right. now comes back and, and says, will. okay, let's go to the Eighth Circuit and that see is. if we can't get the same result. That's right. And she and 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 I saw Rutledge's quote in the newspaper, by the way, uh, and I don't know if it was taken out of context. I don't know if it's an accurate quote, but the quote that was in the, in the newspaper attributed to Rutledge wasn't probably the fairest in terms of describing what Baker did. You can say Baker's pro-abortion. You can say Baker will sort of lean on the facts in the direction of uh, finding it effectively impossible to get an abortion. But the description at least attributed to uh, Rutledge in the newspaper was not a particularly accurate description of the 150-page opinion uh, by uh, Baker. And equally so, um, uh, I think, what's her name? Is it Bornstein? Uh, the, 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 the lawyer the for Planned Parenthood? Brownstein. Right. Yeah, Brownstein. Brownstein. Thank you. I know her. I, uh, uh, so Brownstein sort of took a shot at Rutledge and said, oh, the legal, that legal heavyweight that she is. By the way, why does the left always have to make a snarky comment? I realize she disagrees <laughs> with Rutledge, and, and she probably doesn't think very highly of Rutledge. Because really, Brownstein's yeah. a liberal... And, and Brownstein believes that abortion should be legal no matter what. She don't care Agreed. if they kill, if they if they go in and dismember and suck them out with a Hoover. They don't care. You know, when I worked in the Senate, uh, the the senator for whom I worked was the lead senator on the um, uh, late tor- term partial birth abortion uh, bill. Uh, that became an act, the ban on that, and I was the lead um, uh, counsel on that on that bill, uh, and uh, and I went to speak to the, the staffs of other senators, I think congressmen, I can't remember at this point, some private groups, uh, and we got that passed, uh, the partial birth uh, abortion ban, because uh, it's a late term, brutal procedure, and by the way, it's one of the reasons. One of the reasons that Donald Trump won, because during the debate, you might remember that Hillary yep. stands up there all sort of yep. smug-faced and said, oh, well, you know, I'm all for a woman's right. By the way, it sounds great, a woman's right. A woman's right to what, right? Like a woman doesn't have a right to to uh, rob a store, right? But it's just kind of this ubiquitous, ubiquitous term, a, a woman's right. Or a woman's right to choose, though, at it. Well, to choose what? Now, it's to choose abortion. And the left believes in that, but they... They, they aptly chop off the word abortion. 
Uh, and so uh, Donald Trump says, well, whatever you think about abortion in general, and I'm, these are my words, not his, but the point that he was making was whatever you think about abortion, uh, even if you are one of these people on the margin who thinks, okay, you know, maybe, who knows, whatever, late-term abortion, that's just a brutal uh, procedure, and we should prohibit it. And the problem with Hillary and her ilk was they saw no limits. And the irony is Roe versus Wade has limits in it. Roe versus Wade says the state is more than empowered to prevent abortion uh, in the third trimester. And, this, and recognizes the, the uh, individual life in the third trimester. Now, it doesn't do such a... Uh, it, it, it balances in favor of the woman uh, and against the life in the first trimester, but by the third trimester... And, you know, that's always a discussion amongst conservatives. But in the third trimester, there's really not even a debate in Roe. And that shows you how far the left ha- have moved on abortion. Oh, yeah. When Hillary essentially saying, well, it's a woman's right, and she draws no distinction along that spectrum that is in their essentially Bible of abortion, Roe versus Wade. Uh, and so Donald Trump stated an extremely modest position at that point. He said the vast majority of Americans think third trimester uh, partial birth abortion. And let's be clear what that is. You pull out part of the baby, you kill the baby, in the, the part that's inside, uh, you ingest it in the head to kill it because you can't do it once you pull it out. That's murder. But if you do it inside the cavity, it's not murder. That's right. So uh, most people, right, most people think this is just, that's beyond uh, uh, um, sort of what is moral and just and right and legal, etc. Uh, and so Donald Trump said, that's what she supports. I don't support that. And so when the left right now uh, 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 vacillate between it was all because of Russia or their sort of litany of five different reasons why she, she Hillary, lost, uh, uh, one mm-hmm. of them being Russia, the other two of the other five being Comey in two different instances, uh, whatever, uh, it, here's what I say. Uh, why don't you start looking at some of the factors that cause voters to actually vote against you? Uh, uh, <laughs> meaning uh, Hillary's position on late-term abortion. Or Hillary's <laughs> position on Donald Trump's supporters being deplorable. Absolutely. <laughs> or their That's current right. position on abolishing ICE. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, the, and, 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 and her position uh, on uh, the, the, the deplorables, it was... And they said this at the time. I'm no great innovator to come up with the realization akin to uh, Mitt Romney's 47% of the people on the government don't yep. comment. They're virtually identical comments, if you think about them at a meta level. They were both disgusting and, and offensive to voters. And stupid. And, and stupid. And guess what? Then voters didn't vote for you. Mm-hmm. Okay. I agree. All right. All right. I, I'm going to take a break, Robert. Yep. We, yep. Okay, so Baker is right in what she's doing is if she wants to do it. Is that what you're saying? She's she's able to you know, use the law to her right. advantage. Yeah, I can't say that the facts support her position because I haven't evaluated those facts. But what I can say is what she's done is taken a bunch of facts and said, therefore, uh, this is the outcome that I believe to be appropriate. And that's different than ignoring the, the Eighth Circuit. Uh, uh, and so 
she is she's within the realm of reasonableness, even if upon reading all 150 pages of her opinion, we would disagree with the outcome. Yeah, if we all go, <coughs> BS. All right, we are. Yeah, we all understand that. All right, if you'll stay right where you're at when we bring you back, did you send that article to Robert? Okay, yes, we sent you the Griffin article. We'd like to right. get your your take on that when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about Holland Bottom Farm out on 321 in Cabot just before you get to Kerr Crossing out there. Is that Kerr Crossing? Is that the name of the road there, Kerr? Kerr. Yeah, the, the the bottom line is you get out there. Let me tell you what they got now. They got blueberries. I saw those just the other day. I was there uh, Sunday. Blueberries. They got red and green tomatoes. They got the heirloom Cherokee purple tomatoes now there. Squash, zucchini, bell, bell peppers, jalapenos, sweet banana peppers, red and yellow onions, green beans, and new potatoes. Uh, they have watermelon. Now, they did have the black diamond watermelons but they were out sunday when i went by so i couldn't get a black uh, diamond but i did get a uh, a watermelon i saved about a buck buying it at holland bottom and not buying it at one of the big box stores uh, right there in cabot and uh, i will cut that up tonight scoop it out put it in a bowl put it in the refrigerator be nice and cold tomorrow when i have my ribs all right so bottom line is uh, if you want fresh vegetables, you want fresh uh, uh, produce, you can get it at Holland Bottom out on 321 and take it right from the farm to your table. That's Holland Bottom Farm. All right, we are back, and uh, Robert Steinbach is still on the phone with us. Remember, Robert is a, uh, a law professor at the Bowen School of Law, UALR. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the uh, the school or the university. Uh, another front page story today, Arkansas Demgaz, uh, Linda Satter writing the article. An attorney for Pulaski County Circuit Judge Wendell Griffin said uh, Monday that he found it, quote, kind of shocking, unquote, that a federal appellate panel would grant a request from Arkansas Supreme Court justices to completely dismiss Griffin's case against him. But an attorney for the Supreme Court of Arkansas had a much different take on the 2-1 opinion issued Monday by a three-judge panel of the 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in St. Louis. Quote, I'm very pleased with the 8th Circuit's decision ordering dismissal of this ill-conceived lawsuit. As we contended from the start, Judge Griffin failed to make a viable claim that his rights were infringed and the 8th Circuit agreed. You've had a chance to overlook this article. Uh, Robert, your take on what we're seeing here. Look, first I'll say this. It's really a complicated case. Griffin says he makes a bunch of comments about the death penalty. He's allowed to make a bunch of comments about the death penalty, right? Because he's got a freedom of speech just like anybody else. Separately, remember that judges can uh, be asked to recuse and can be recused from cases if they have a conflict. And if they decide not to recuse themselves, because somewhat ironically or somewhat oddly, uh, the motion to recuse a judge initially is made to that judge, then you can, through different procedures, 
go up to a higher court and say, hey, higher court, you need to force that judge to recuse himself or essentially do it for him because he's got an inherent conflict. And those things happen. Uh, and so if I, if 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 my brother if I'm a judge and I'm not but if I'm a judge and my uh, my brother comes into my court and the other side said well that's not fair and I said oh no problem uh, they would be right to seek recusal and to seek appellate review uh, should I be foolish enough to deny uh, recusal. What went on with Griffin is something slightly different, and the outcome somewhat depends on your view of how broad the notion of recusal should be versus the right, the First Amendment uh, free speech rights. Uh, and that is uh, th- that the Supreme Court of Arkansas said, essentially, we're going to recuse uh, a Griffin, not from this one case, uh, but from all cases involving the death penalty kind of an unusual move. And remember, Griffin was elected. He's not appointed. He's not hired on a salary uh, for, you know, an employee at will. He was elected by the people. All right, back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert, we, we cut you off there on, uh, no as, as, you were fini- as you were finishing up, as we went to news. Right. Go ahead and finish up. Right, so the, the bottom line is, uh, has the, has the, uh, the Supreme Court overreached in uh, getting uh, Griffin off all cases through the recusal process effectively rather than one case at a time. And that was the question. I will say this. Courts in general uh, are very quick to dismiss uh, causes of action, in part because then they have less work to do. Now, Moody only dismissed part of uh, of Griffin's claim, and then went up to the Eighth Circuit, and the Eighth Circuit dismissed the rest of it. Uh, I'm a little hesitant when courts quickly dismiss claims, even if ultimately they're, they turn out to be losers, because I kind of believe in the notion that you should have your day in court. And as I may have mentioned to you in the past, Fox, for example, Judge Fox in trial court, just dismissed my causes of action against the university. And of course, I'm going to appeal those. Uh, and Fox seems to be in a bit of a fight with the Supreme Court, having run for the Supreme Court himself at one point, and disagreeing with their views now on sovereign immunity. And I think he's kind of trying to pick at them a little bit. Uh, and I'm the vehicle by which he's going to do that. But I'm a little, and so I disclose that in part to say, maybe I'm biased. But I believe in a day in court. So I don't know ultimately if Griffin is right or wrong. Uh, and I don't even know if the dismissal ultimately is right or wrong. But I'm always a little hesitant when cases get thrown out of court real early in the process. Okay. Hit your mic. Oh. Yeah. Robert, okay. I got a question for you here quick. Um, yeah. So if I understand it correctly, the rules that prohibit um, uh, judges from speaking out about issues and then ruling on them those are actually made by the arkansas supreme court are they not right they're in yes but that yes and there's a difficulty though they can only make so broad a set of rules because to to the extent that the rules violate constitutional rights of free speech both federal and state of course the constitution trumps those rules and that's the, the conflict here is what he's doing protected excuse me, by the First Amendment, Uh, and if so, how much? Meaning, you might be protected by the First Amendment to say that 
oh, uh, the death penalty is bad, uh, or you might be able to say that uh, insurance company X is bad, but if insurance company X shows up in your court, the Supreme Court would be right in recusing you because that would not be such an infringement of your because you right. because you maybe have a vendetta against them, but different. That, exactly. that's a little different than having a, a general it world is. view on something. And so I, I tend to tend I tend to think that maybe the Supreme Court was wrong in making the rule to begin with. I like to know what judges think about things. I I wish they would tell us. Right, right. exactly. And so the, and that's the and you aptly pick up on that conflict, which is to the extent that these are Griffin's views, he's allowed to have those views. And the fact that someone has those views does not mean that he's necessarily going to rule against the law on those views. They make those claims, by the way, about conservatives all the time. Oh, they, they said this years ago about a colleague of mine. Well, my colleague says he's against affirmative action, so I'm not sure that we would ever put him on the admissions committee. Well, that he's against affirmative action doesn't mean he can't apply the school's affirmative action policy. <laughs> However, uh, let me jump in and say this goes a little bit further in that Griffin didn't just say how he felt. He went out right. in front of the Act- governor's mansion and actively, right. you know, uh, was out there saying, stop this completely. I think Absolutely. that 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 goes a little further than what we're talking about and here. It, it may actually go in, go in place of he's actually advocating against the law itself at <laughs> some that, level. Well, and, and, that, and I'm and, no and fan of might- – and I'm no fan of right. Wendell Griffin. I think the man ought to be impeached, but for other reasons. And, and interesting that at the very last part of the article in the paper, it says, the panel, that'd be the Eighth Circuit, noted that while Judge Griffin claims he has a right to discharge the duties that voters elected him to do, the voters elected him to discharge powers circumscribed by Arkansas law, and Arkansas law says, quote, no judge of the circuit court shall sit on the determination of any case in which he or she is interested in the outcome. To me, that's pretty clear and pretty plain and pretty obvious. All right. But that's but we got to go? Yeah, i gotta, gotta I got to go. break away yeah. from this. But And, Robert, I thank you for joining us. I kept you longer than we said we would. But no thanks worries. for uh, giving us some clarification on both of these important cases. It is cases. so good to hear. God bless. All right, we'll let you go, and that means that Jerry Cox is waiting. Jerry Cox is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, Jerry, how are you? Thanks for waiting through the last part of that discussion uh, with uh, Robert Steinbach. Hey, I was enjoying the uh, the dialogue there, so it sounded, sounded very interesting. Hey, yeah. thanks for having me on, and uh, it's always good to be be among friends. Yeah, we had uh, we had on Robert to talk about this Baker decision. Of course, I call her Judge Death, but uh, the the thing interesting to me is that Robert said what she did wasn't wrong, but what she did was kind of finagle the law for herself and her beliefs about abortion. And now it's up to uh, the Attorney General to get it back up in front of the 8th Circuit Court of Appeals to put this case to bed. Well, that's that's correct. And I I think ultimately we're going to see a pro-life outcome to all of this. I think what Judge Baker has done is prolong the process because the 8th Circuit has already looked at this case once. And when it came back down, then she found another reason to strike the law down. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it, she's trying to prove now that there's this um, large fraction of women that are going to encounter this uh, undue burden to be able to get an abortion simply because uh, the law asks abortion doctors to do what most doctors already do, which is have admitting privileges at a local hospital or at least work with somebody who does. And um, that's certainly not uh, an undue burden because I think most people, Dave, think that their doctor has the ability to admit them into a hospital. That's exactly right. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I would be... I don't think I would go to a doctor who didn't have the ability to admit me to the hospital if I needed to go. And so um, that's just, it's a bogus argument that they're making, but it's the only one they have. And so you're seeing the writhings of Planned Parenthood and these other pro-death people that are out here, uh, you know, seeing another nail basically put in their coffin uh, through this good law. And you know what? It's not the only law that's being litigated. There are other good laws, I think, that are going to make things safer for women. And in so doing, they're going to uh, put some barriers up there, justifiably so, to people being able to just treat women like cattle and just run them through the abortion mill without any regard to their um, their health or safety. Mr. Cox, I had a question for you. This is R.D. Uh, yes. I've heard some different opinions on the morning after pill, whether it is a uh, contraceptive or it, or can it actually uh, cause the discharge of a fertilized egg after conception. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, um, and, and, you know, total disclaimer here, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer, either one. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, but you so, did stay at a Holiday Inn Express. I, I certainly did. I've stayed there many times. <laughs> Mr. Cox, here, I think being an attorney, prob- being an attorney, uh, being not not being an attorney, probably gives you more credence in this group. Go ahead. Go ahead. Does, yeah. <laughs> but but the thing is, what I've been told by the doctors and by all the medical people that I've talked to about the morning after pill is uh, that it depends on when you take it uh, as to whether it causes. Uh, the abortion of a, a, a baby uh, that's already started to grow or whether it prevents fertilization from occurring. It can do either one, depending on when you take it. And the longer you wait, the more likely it is, as I understand it, to actually cause an abortion. And so um, I think it's very difficult to, to know you know, which it's going to do because there's so many factors that are variables there. But that's why we say that it really is not something that we encourage anybody to to take is because you just don't know what effect it's going to have. Okay. All right. But the abortion pill is the abortion pill. It does cause a abortion. Yeah, This, uh, this that we're talking about, uh, this is this is a concoction of drugs that's given to a woman who may be six, eight, maybe even ten weeks pregnant, and she takes those drugs that are administered by somebody at a Planned Parenthood clinic, and she goes home and actually has a miscarriage at home and has to deal with the products of that miscarriage. So this is 
this is way into the process. And what we're saying is that the doctor who prescribes that that drug to that woman needs to be able to have her admitted into a hospital if she starts to bleed, hemorrhage, all kinds of other problems that can occur. There are actually more problems that occur from a drug-induced abortion than from the surgical ones, mainly because all this occurs while the woman is at her house, at home, and many times she's alone. And so um, the way it is right now, without this law, she's got to go check herself into the uh, emergency room and see a doctor who's never seen her before, who has no idea why she's there, why she's bleeding or having other problems. And so it just creates a longer period of time there before she can actually get good treatment. And that's what this good law tries to do, is to create a more seamless transfer of the woman into a, a hospital if she needs to go. Right, so like if you or I had a procedure done at a maybe at a local clinic, usually if there was complications, we could go to the hospital, they'd call our doctor, they, they, the doctor our doctor would come in and, oh, yes, this is what we've done, this, 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 and this, and here's here's what you should avoid doing to them so you don't hurt them and and whatever else because they'll they'll have almost any doctor i think will have admitted admitting privileges won't they i i think the majority of doctors do have admitting privileges at the hospitals in their community and the fact that some of these abortion doctors say they can't get admitting privileges there are a couple of things that people need to understand one is if the the abortion doctors here in arkansas concede to this and get admitting privileges at a local hospital then that sets a precedent for every other state in the country that wants to pass a law like this where they can do the same thing there and force their doctors to get admitting privileges. And I think Planned Parenthood and their doctors have deliberately drawn a line in the sand and said, we ain't doing this because if we do it in Arkansas, they're going to expect us to do this everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we're going to fight this to the to the bitter end. Well, so bottom line, what you believe and what Robert believes is that the AG is now going to, to put this back up into the hands of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, and we'll have to see what they have to say. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. And I think we'll get a good outcome. But, you know, it's the court's. You just don't know. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You, you're, you're rolling the dice. You're exactly right. Yep, that's right. All right. We appreciate the, the short uh, uh, call to ask you to join us. We appreciate you calling in and being part of the show today. we got Rose Mims coming up here in about uh, 25 minutes. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about R.D., and he's got some information about that that tire reclamation that they got going on here in the state. Jerry, thanks for the time. Hey, I appreciate it. You guys have a good day. All right, bye-bye now. All right, let's get a quick break in. we got more coming your way in just a moment. All right, let's get back uh, talking about a different subject now. And R.D. is here, and R.D. has more about tar reclamation (laughs) here in the state of Arkansas. Tar. Tars. Bring us up what's happening with those tars. (laughs) Okay. If uh, everyone wants to refer to the article that I'm looking at on June the 2nd on Arkansas Online, there is an article on there, uh, uh, Plan Advancing for Change to Arkansas Scrap Tire System. What it is, they really haven't fully implemented, they partially implemented, implemented the scrap tire system that they put in place. What they put in place 
well, this bill that they're looking at now to amend it, now that they figured out that it's not going to work in what they're doing in their uh, that the districts are not able to comply with what they've asked them to do. It says the first uh, paragraph, I love your lawmakers will hear a proposal today to implement a new scrap tire system designed mm-hmm. to increase oversight of the tire program. So increase oversight is going to make it uh, more efficient and they're going to reduce the number of dumps across the state, which is exactly what uh, John Payton and myself told them would do would cause more illegal tire dumps. The state of Arkansas cut back from 10 to 12 tire dumping sites to five, and those five pirate, uh, tire dumps in districts uh, through this plan will have to submit a business plan. Each of these districts' business plan will tell how much uh, energy they use, how many employees they have, uh, and what their cost per tire to dispose of different types of tires are. So it's much like operating a business. The state has set up five businesses. So uh, they've been having some trouble with that. Uh, The state has asked these districts to make sure that all dumping sites are manned at all times. Now, as in rural Arkansas, a county may just have a trailer sitting there where people can come by and dump their tires, and the state would come by or the district would come by when the trailer's full and haul it off. The problem is, is these trailers are exposed and they are catching water, which uh, they say the reason this is is to prevent mosquitoes mm-hmm. uh, 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 building their nest in tires. If they dump them, so now frequently, we've gone matter. from them uh, uh, having the dumping site somewhere else to having the mosquitoes growing in the collection stations. Mm-hmm. So on top of that, they want someone there, man, to make a manifest of all the tires that's come in so the the state can track can uh, uh have an inventory system of all the tires also so john payton and i told him that this is a an overreaching impossible thing you're going to try to do to make all the businesses and the districts so we went from 10 to 5 now the five have unmanned stations in all the counties because they're trying to cover a bigger area uh they can't afford to man them but the state says they have to if you read the article, it's much like these districts are small businesses. They're asked to do something that they can't do profitably. Yeah. And they're saying that all these regulations are unnecessary and overburdensome. So let's have more. And then, so it's going to take <laughs> more government oversight. Works. So yeah. more oversight. So they're going to hire new employees. They're going to have more oversight. It's going to be more efficient. And then uh, more efficient, but more expensive. And more expensive. They <laughs> we were, can't afford and have too much regulation. It will on not it be now. more efficient. So, Good uh, grief. so you know, sometimes whenever you go in a business venture, like the one I was talking about when I was trying to get all the regulations in a new area to start a recycling facility, uh, sometimes if it's not working, you just need to bail out, just kill it, and forget it. They're trying to do something that they can't do efficiently that's going to be impossible, uh, and they're going to make the waste tire problem in the state of Arkansas worse, but uh, I'm sure they're going to lower the so why did they unemployment ever, rate. Why did, they, why did they ever care very much about tires to begin with? I mean, a tire that's is pretty inert. I mean, they don't, they don't do anything. They don't emit stuff. They're, they're rubber. They're just it's not, like they, it's not like they're really a form of pollution that much. I'm, I'm glad you said that. I'm going to read the 
uh, a, a paragraph in this article says one the, minute all right the white river district also urged that the tire site should not require to have stormwater permits because tires are designed to be out in the weather and water touching waste tires does is not an environmental hazard so this is a state agency pleading for uh, less oversight from another state agency so mm-hmm. they can try to do things in an efficient way but the but the state uh, so they're not dangerous they're just they need I to be cut regulated. them in quarters they need to be regulated at, at we need business, money that's exactly right <laughs> i cut them in quarters you cut them in quarters and they're fine but you know uh that's uh arkansas okay so you'll keep track of this you've been watching this ever since they started coming up with this idea that's right it, yeah, it puts ch- small businesses out of businesses because they have to buy into this tracking system so uh, it's against small business and it affects the poorest people in arkansas because they buy more used tires all right we will be back in another for another hour we got to have our news first and then rose Mims and right to life we're going to be here we're going to talk to some teenagers who are heading off to camp joshua and we'll talk to rose about uh judge baker as well and get her take on that whole uh now yeah. i don't want to use that term we'll talk about it when we come back here on the dave ellswick show all right let's move into the four o'clock hour don't forget five o'clock hour bible guys to be here you got a question bible guys at salem com. just so you know we got elizabeth here we got rd here we got paul here rose mims has joined us now from right to life and she's brought two young people with her who do we got here uh, rose i'll grab that mic and just tell us we have calvin and we have laura okay calvin and laura are with us and they're going to camp joshua camp joshua happens when rose uh july 27th through 29th i've brought them here they're going to tell you all about it okay that sounds great i heard her tell you during the break y'all that uh, you're supposed to talk and she just wants to be quiet. So, <laughs> Calvin, I'm going to turn it over. You just start, or we can turn to your, your – she was ready to speak, so give her a microphone back. <laughs> All right. She looks like she wants to take over here. Well, so, go ahead. Um, Camp Joshua, it's July 27th through 29th. We have it at Crosshairs Retreat Center up in Stuttgart. Um, the cost is only $100 for students to come, and that includes the transportation to and from the retreat center. It includes the food. Um, the lodging, which is very lovely, and a free T-shirt as well. Very cool. Is that the new shirt that you had on? Um, this is actually one of the older ones. Older but ones, But the okay. new ones will be the same design, just new colors every year. New color of shirt. Mm-hmm. Any idea what color it's going to be? I actually picked out red this year. Cool. <laughs> That's my favorite color. I love red. Got to get that gets everybody's attention. Absolutely. So, so why don't you? Uh, why, why don't we start off by just asking both of you to explain? Is this your first year, or have you done this in the past? Uh, why did you go the first time? Why are you coming back if it's a second or third time? Well, for me, it's my, uh, I guess it'd be third year for me. And first year, I just kind of felt like I needed to go. It was something I needed to do. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the learning curve I got, really enjoyed the information. And I've just gone back year after year because it's just something I've enjoyed. Okay, that's cool. And? Uh, this is my fourth year going. Well, I went, I'm going to assume that you enjoy going here. I do. I really do. I went the first year as a student, and I've returned two other times as a leader, which is so wonderful. It was just such an educational 
time for me. It was so great to meet other pro-life teens who shared my views. So I tried to bring in as many of my friends as I could to return year after year, same as I have. All right. So how old are you all? Um, I'm 18. Okay. I'm 17. All right. So a senior and a senior to be. Yeah. Is that right? Well, you graduated last year, didn't you? Okay. So she's a freshman in college now, and you are a senior in high school. I'm a rising senior, yes. Okay. So a rising senior. I hadn't heard it put that way before. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I like that. So let, let me just ask, how are you guys finding your generation uh, looking at abortion now? I mean, it's, especially now that Kennedy has, you know, retired. I mean, I don't know if you've talked to any of your friends uh, since, the, since the Supreme Court Justice Kennedy retired. How are they viewing all of this? Are, are they worried that they're going to, quote, lose their rights and things yeah. of that nature? Well, it's a, it's a really big deal right now, especially for young women who are trying to do what they think is right for women in general, but they just don't have a clear understanding of the issue. So there's this whole talk of, oh, they're trying to take away women's rights and all these things when they really don't have a clear understanding of what women's rights really is and what humans' rights really are. So it's a really big issue, especially for young people our age who tend to just have opinions without really learning about them first. Okay, that brings up a great question. <laughs> Welcome to America. Let, let's, yeah. talk, let's talk about uh, your age group and when you talk about abortion, do they understand that it's really the taking of a human life? No, not in the slightest. It's uh, primarily just seen as, oh, you know, obviously most people view it, a lot of people view it as uh, something they have a right to because woman's body, woman's choice, that's just a huge part of it. So they don't really understand the, the medical side of what actually happens, the fact that it's an invasive surgery, how it can harm the woman, how the woman in this case is a victim. It's not, it's not her just getting rid of a problem easy peasy. It's, it's so horrible for her, and it's obviously very horrible for the child. They don't understand that it's the loss of a life. Yeah, that that's my biggest question. Is that Calvin? When you talk to your your uh, your guy friends, do they not understand that it's their son or their daughter? Perhaps I honestly, I go to Catholic, right, and okay. we don't honestly talk about that that much. It's just not something that comes up in relevant conversation most of the time. But when it does happen, I try to explain what it is and what happens, and I think I do a pretty good job of getting the point across to them. Okay. I won't talk about there's certain teachers that go to Catholic. <laughs> yeah. That are socialists. But I'll 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 leave, I'll leave that there. That's yeah, let's, let's that would be a that. that would be a really great discussion that you and I could have off air. Yeah, yes. so I've got a question. So is is Camp Joshua mostly about pro life issues or is it other political um, issues as well from a rather conservative perspective or what 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 should we expect from Camp? I'm not obviously um, not qualified to be a student there, but <laughs> it's it's camp, just camper. a pro life camp. Okay. So um, we start off Friday night. We have a wonderful talk by uh, Dr. White. He talks about what abortion is, mm -hmm. how it happens, and then we watch um, a video about the process itself. Um, and then we focus on. We also have a talk on euthanasia. We talk about stem cell research, and we have a really big session that's the majority of Saturday of the camp where we learn about how to respectfully argue our pro-life view and how to 
approach others' views with respect and be able to understand where they're coming from and how to counteract that. So it is just um, primarily pro-life, but you can apply the arguments learned to other issues right. if you need to. So no, no particular religious denomination or anything. No. That it's, it's strictly a, a – yeah. um, interesting. Strictly pro-life, yes, sir. Cool. All right. So have you found that it's helped you when you've been talking to your, your friends and other students? I think it has. It's it's just been a great experience being able to inform others about this issue. How many young people that when they come to this, uh, you know, to Camp Joshua, don't have a clue? I mean, they just, you know, they haven't really formulated a view of a pro-life or a pro-choice kind of life view. Uh, yeah. I mean, does it does it change when they're there at that weekend? Yes, absolutely. A lot of them come in, you know, they, they come in, they are pro-life, their parents are pro-life, but sometimes they don't have a, a great sense of what all that entails. And, you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, well, I'm pro-life, but I'm not going to impose my views on someone else who isn't. Mm-hmm. So it's really a great way for them to f- make their views their own and know how to show them to other people. And that's a big part of... Um, the Friday night talk when we watch this video it's so so powerful and it shows abortion for what it really is and it it really can make people feel very strongly about the issue which is a great part of it now you had a question uh, what age group is this uh, open for appropriate for um, it's open for 14 through 19 but okay. we do make exceptions you know if there is a 13 year old who their parents feel they are exceptionally mature and this is something they need to learn we can do uh, accommodate that that's great. Thank you. All right. You got anything over there, Elizabeth? No? I've, I've got a little more if you don't mind. Go ahead, Paul. So so do you all actually get active legislatively, or do you do anything else outside the camp, or is it mostly um, – um, We are given a lot of opportunities and contact information about how to get active legislatively mm-hmm. um, through Arkansas Right to Life. You know, we're given a lot of opportunities – um, we basically give the students a binder, and the whole back of it is, you know, this is who you need to write to. This is who you need to email and to call. These are the things you can enter. We have essay contests. We have debate contests, all sorts of things, so that they can get active in that way. Interesting. Are they, is it mostly homeschoolers? Um, no, is not it? usually. Okay. It's kind of split. Okay. All right. So. What's that? Yeah, I don't know. I guess the only the only yeah. only other person I've known who's been to Camp Joshua, I think, is a, um, a fellow who's homeschooled, a friend mm-hmm. of mine. But it was been probably five or six years ago, maybe. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about it for a long time. Yeah, this is our going to be our uh, eighth or ninth camp. Mm-hmm. I've lost track, but um, you know, it's not all study and you know hearing. Um, you know lessons and sessions on these difficult topics it's a beautiful place out there at crosshairs retreat center it's a wide open place in the middle of nowhere kids can run and play ball or if you know it is hot out there but we have a really cool lodge to stay in food is great there's a gigantic pool table that the kids uh, play pool and there's lots of games there's the piano and they sing and you know it's just a great bonding experience for to meet kids all over the state who share your pro-life views and we've had kids that come that are ambivalent they don't really know if they're pro-life or not and some even have come that were said i'm pro-choice because they think that includes the life you know choice too uh and leaves think you know 
solidly in the pro-life camp that they would not even call themselves pro-choice ever again okay so you know is that how it went for you both of you when you got there did you know you were pro-life or did you were you as as rose was saying ambivalent you didn't know where you stood on the issue um for me i i said i was pro-life but the thing was i wasn't active being pro-life i wasn't arguing i wasn't doing anything about it so i was very passive but after this camp was when it kind of became clear to me about what i needed to be doing to really be pro-life okay calvin it was similar for me uh i knew about abortion i knew about the issues i just wasn't informed i wasn't out there spreading my beliefs or trying to influence others and i think camp has really empowered me to do that all right so let me uh Give them the dates again. Tell them where they can uh, sign up at, uh, how much it's going to cost, and all the rest. All right. So the dates again are July 27th through 29th. All the information is on www.campjoshuaar.com. Registration and everything is on there. The fee is $100. It's all-inclusive. What it comes down to is that this is the only pro-life camp in the state. It's a great opportunity, and scholarships are available if you're not able to make the cost. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back, and we'll talk for a few more moments here on the Dave Ellswick Show about Cap Joshua. We want to talk to Rose for a few moments as well, talk to her, get her a take on what happened with uh, Judge Death. Oh, pardon me, her name is Judge uh, Baker. We'll talk about that here in just a few moments. All right, I had a text come to me, Bob. Thanks for the text. Let me ask Rose this question. He wants to know, uh, he'd like to... uh, provide maybe a scholarship or two how do they go about doing that that's great just uh send in uh, a check made out to arkansas right to life note you know send a note with it or put it in the little note on the bottom of the check that it's for camp joshua uh, scholarships and we will be happy to to provide you know a student that is needy and needs that scholarship uh, with that and we really do appreciate that all right, how many people? How many kids are you expecting? We can young have people? up to twenty-five kids, and we've had twenty-five kids before. The lodge would hold a few more, but you know that's a lot of kids. Yeah, <laughs> and we have to have student leaders to go with those kids. So you know, you could look at thirty-five kids, and um, so I try to keep it reasonable but we're not going to turn down a a teenager that wants to come right now you know we can use some more um, registrations and so we're really wanting to promote it get it out there so kids can you know it's a weekend camp start friday night they're done by sunday at four you know and it's jam-packed and it's fun lots of information they're going to come out of their pro-life you know champion and ready and ready to do battle right Absolutely. Yeah, you got to do battle. I mean, it's about it battle. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna ha- have to sit and talk to people that were your, are your friends. Hopefully, will still be your friends after uh, you have a, a discussion with them. Have you have either one of you had that problem where you were, you know, friends with somebody and then they decided, wow, you want to take away my rights? Uh, can't oh, be yeah. friends with you yeah absolutely um there are a lot of people who again they're just not educated about the issue so they uh profess themselves as pro-choice and i'm like well do you really know what that means and most of the time it will end the conversation ends with them walking away because they just don't want to hear it, it. exactly yeah they just can't deal with it so you have to just you have to try um and exactly hope they remain friends with you after 
Yeah. Well, that's well, just the way it goes. You know, I, I, I engage in a lot of conversations. I, some, I think I'm probably guilty of You would never know that with Paul right. Wizard that he talked. <laughs> so so I'm probably guilty of, of expecting people to come around to my way of thinking, even though it's taken me many years to come to my conclusions. And so I, I, I'm sure I get impatient with people. But at the end of the day, it is a life and death situation. We're talking about killing children. Yeah, and and it is it is important, and and it's it's hard to be patient with people sometimes, especially when they're out there. We should have the right to kill our kids, which is what we're talking about. Yeah, it, yeah. It, a lot of it comes down to getting them to say, "Kill the kids," because when you right. say that, you realize how ridiculous it sounds. It right. stops being under this veil of choice. Right. Well, and if you look at some of the like, like here in Arkansas right now, if I understand the law correctly, you can um, you can take a child in the womb and rip their arms and legs off at 12, 14 weeks after conception. If you did the same thing to a puppy, you would go to prison. Yeah. Very likely. There's a good chance you'd go to prison and, and pick up a felony. But you do it to a child, and it's perfectly legal. Or a child who just popped out of the birth canal. Kill well, that child. Kill that child. And go, go to jail. Go to jail. But, but, Absolutely. But, but if it's inside the womb, you can literally rip their arms and legs off and torture them to yeah. death, essentially. But if you did the same thing to a puppy... Or even a bald eagle, for crying out loud. It, 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 when, it's an, when it's inside the egg, I think you can go to jail for that. It's insane when we've actually warped the minds of Americans so badly that animals, for crying out loud, have more rights than people do. Well, when a rat is a, a dog. Is, is a boy. A, you know, and you just move your way up to a human. When animals have the same moral, you know, Groundwork as a human does, and you got problems. Right. And that's kind of the. And that's I think it's what ends up happening when we when we allow um, humanists and 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 the government in general to to shape the moral compass of children. All right. So I'm going to talk to Rose for the last four minutes here. Your thoughts about what has occurred uh, with Judge Baker. Well, I agree with everything that Jerry said earlier. You know, uh, this is just going to drag out in the courts even more and uh, longer until uh, either the Eighth Circuit or the Supreme Court, you know, tells us one way or the other if this law is constitutional. Okay, so I thought that's what the Eighth Circuit had done the last time, and then the Supreme Court upheld them by kicking it back to them. But Baker didn't feel that way. She said, well, they said— I didn't look at enough information, so now she's trying to make an end around with the law. Right, and I dis- I disagree, too, that 71% of women in Arkansas want that medication abortion. Uh, yes, the numbers have risen on that, but not anywhere near that. I mean, most women in Arkansas are having surgical abortions. It may be because they're past the, the you know, the, the 11 weeks or 10 weeks um, for the medication abortion but still you know surgical abortion is legal up to the 19th week in arkansas and um for many years abortion was only available in little rock and in fayetteville surgical abortion and now planned parenthood is offering the medication abortion so um, that is the wave of the future for abortion is medication abortion okay all right there's a lot on the line I, I believe that in the end we're going to win on this, but it just goes on to show that judges like Baker, 
Yeah, she's going to rule in favor of abortion rights. She should have to recuse herself. I'm sorry. She's she's made it very clear that she's going to, she's the go-to jurist for Planned Parenthood. Yes, I agree. Yeah, so anyway, we'll see how that all works out. We we see where Judge Griffin is at right now about that exact same topic. So uh, we'll we'll have to watch how it all goes out. So how how are you feeling on uh, what the president is saying about Supreme Court justices? I tell you, I was on my way to our national convention on Wednesday afternoon when we were listening to Rush and got the news about Kennedy's retirement, and mm-hmm. it was uh, we were just you know on, on top of the world, but. You know, there's still a lot of unknowns on this, and we've been bitten, you know, before uh, on Supreme Court nominees and appointees that Kennedy's did not. a perfect example of Absolutely. being bitten. Absolutely. So mean, he was a, an appointee by Reagan. Right. And Can't there's get been much, others. Much as conservative than that. Right. So there's still so many unknowns. A, a case would have to be the perfect one to go before the court, to even to attempt to overturn Roe. So, you know, we're a ways from that ever happening. And, uh, but yes, we do have a shot at it. All right. I'm going to let you all go. All right. Well, thank you. We appreciate you being appreciate here. Appreciate you, Dave. Thank all you. right. How do, where do they, where do they get in touch with you again? to be able to do this www.campjoshuaar.com there you go okay we got news coming your way we appreciate both of you coming you. keep the fight thank going you you are the future of the fight so thank you. keep going we appreciate you we really really do appreciate what you guys are doing yeah i've All got right. a 14 year old daughter at home and a 16 year old son so right there right so, there uh, talk in the microphone <laughs> don't talk off the mic you got five seconds Okay, I just I appreciate what you guys are doing. I've got a 14-year-old daughter and a 16-year-old son. Here's the news. You. Hey, you know, there's been big changes going on over at Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. I've been talking about them now uh, for a couple of weeks. They're tearing down a, a part of the old building that was built at the end of the uh, 19th century. I mean, literally in the 1800s. And uh, they're now building a state-of-the-art facility in its place. They're going to have a new gate room. They're going to have uh, a mastectomy area, a big waiting room, centralized heat and air so the building stays cool during the summer and hot during the or warm during the winter. They got new technology that they are uh, already have in place uh, downstairs. They're just waiting for uh, a few other things to, to come along so that that new technology can be used. And instead of, you know, forming these prosthetics and orthotics that they use, uh, they'll be able to print them with a 3D printer. It's going to be absolutely amazing when they're able uh, to do that. They've gone from one location in about the last five years now, one location in Little Rock to six. Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy because it's Horton Orthotics and Prosthetics. They provide a lifetime of support. All right, we got our fa- our last half hour together here with the Power Panel. A lot of great information today, a lot of uh, good uh, discussion. Uh, I just got a text, and let me pull that back up again here off my phone. It's from the uh, Arkansas Cannabis Industry Association. And it's their response to the Arkansas Medical Marijuana Commission's 
decision to explore outside firm evaluations of dispensary applications. We support the Arkansas Medical Marijuana Commission's decision to explore the possibility of engaging outside consultants to evaluate and make recommendations for the awarding of dispensary licenses. It is our hope the commission will evaluate its options and choose the method that best expedites the process of getting medicine to patients. Arkansans voted Issue 6 into law nearly 20 months ago, and it's essential that the state move swiftly in order to provide patients the natural medicine they need. If the commission is to proceed with the issuing of the five winning cultivation licenses this month and dispensary applications are reviewed by a third party in September, it is not unlikely that dispensaries should be ready to open their doors before there is medicine available to stock their shelves. Licensed cultivators will work as quickly as possible to construct their facilities. Once a facility is constructed, they will need to pass inspection, grow, harvest, cure, and have the medicine tested by an independent lab. Medicines must then be packaged according to law and transported to dispensaries. The life cycle of cannabis in one of these facilities is about four months from uh, seed to harvest, followed by a minimum 15 days of drying and curing. While cultivation facilities may get their first harvest four months after receiving necessary approvals to begin production, cultivation facilities will not be at full production capacity the moment they start growing. It will take cultivators up to two months to clone and populate the facility. This being said, any further delay in the commission's awarding of cultivation licenses, especially if they were to choose to have a third party reevaluate them, would slow the delivery of medicine to patients in Arkansas who anxiously await uh, their tested, quality-assured, legal, natural medicine. And that's from Robert DeBen, president of the Arkansas Cannabis Industry Association. So if I read that correctly, the beginning of next year would be like as soon as they could ever have product, basically, to be ready to go, which would make it two years since this has been passed. Yeah, plus, you know. haven't got the people approved yet, have they? Yeah. The, did, did they the go Supreme ahead? Court ruled that they could move forward. And with you're that. assuming that it will all go smoothly from now on out. <laughs> well, you know, I... I just here's what I know is that uh, now that they've got the cultivators, it looks like pretty well uh, chosen, and they can break ground and start building their centers and do whatever it is that that they, they got to do. And as that this gentleman said, it's going to take four months to have product ready. You've better be hustling to get your dispensaries ready to go. Yeah, it sounds like the system that they had approved uh, picking the growers. D- did need a little improvement <laughs> well so, yeah. did you see that one one person one group had the exact same wording on their application as another group they yeah. were they were cheating on the test <laughs> let's well, just put it that way and what i read about that was it was the attorney for the losing group who passed the information along it's really odd at it's best. A, it's a strange situation Crooked, right now corrupt. the good old boy system still alive and well in arkansas well you, got it, you know I, again i share my my worries 
uh, are really simple. If they don't get this going, the people who are out there that wanted this and it's being delayed by, and I do believe there's been foot dragging on this issue. Do you think? That uh, the bottom line is if they don't get it done and get it done now, I think by the beginning of the year, by the next election cycle, we're going to see an initiated act asking for recreational marijuana. It's already in play. It's you already know. in play. Well, we heard David the Couch, yeah. David Couch, the uh, activist attorney who was behind this movement, has already started that up. Right. It's already gone. Okay, it's so started. are they already getting the signatures? Or he's I don't saying know if it's he, gone that far. He says he's going to do it. I he, wants, he said he wanted 56% of Arkansans behind it before he started it. They were at 53. Oh. Mm. And that's why, that's why I believe they'll get to 56 a lot quicker if people think that they're dragging their feet on it and, and that oh, as definitely. far as recreational use yeah i don't know if i believe those numbers or not he may be true but 53 percent of the people in arkansas for recreational marijuana i think some of them got hoodwinked a little bit on this issue because they didn't understand what they were asking for but uh, i think he's being over optimistic i don't know huh? I don't, Maybe we need to get a hold of him, get him on the show, have him sit down and talk to us. Yeah, We'll see if we can't make that happen by next week. I don't know. From what I understand, there's a lot of people that use marijuana already, and there's a lot more people that, that don't really think it's all that harmful or dangerous. And so I, I don't know. It might be 53% or higher. Huh. I just hold that, up. I, I just I hold saw, up I this, saw that headline story. a little bit. I, I talked that. about this last Thursday. This is out of the Demgaz. Clara Turnage has the byline. Jacksonville switches pot tactics. Officers will cite, not arrest, some offenders. Police chief says if they got less than a half an ounce, they're not going to arrest them unless they've got previous convictions for drug activity. And that only means you show up in court, you're going to pay your fine, you don't get arrested, you don't have, you don't get any kind of of a, you know, a mark against your record well i don't disagree with that so much whether a prison system the way it is and overcrowding and people doing armed robbery and getting out in three days you know i, I think there are up? i think there are worse criminals that we can be locking up why would you lock than somebody up? that has a half right. an ounce right well i, I saw like, like i said i saw a guy a while back I, I sat through court with a friend and and there was a guy that was i don't know if he might have actually been arrested and he had less than a gram of marijuana on him i think I mean, don't we have any actual serious crimes out there to be prosecuting people with instead of this little petty garbage? Did, yeah, did he have any other I don't previous? think so. I think that was the only thing on him. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's the question at that point. Was, yeah. there, was there mitigating yeah. circumstances and, there that said, this guy is a bad dude. Now yeah. we got this here. We can slam him. Yeah, and put I, him in jail. I think this was this was the only thing he was up on was, was just the marijuana charge. I don't know if he had a previous or not, but but it was uh, he was a pretty young guy. I think we've got child molesters being released back into <laughs> communities that should never see the light of day again there, in their life. No, they're going to have to change the law about that. There's party. there's a movement afoot that would have something to do with criminal justice reform that sort mm-hmm. of touches on these. Low-level offenses, first time, no priors, mm-hmm. less than a gram, blah, 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 because we need our prison space for bad people. 
not those people. Well, and I, well, I think we, also, I, we also need to reform the system. You know, if someone's so dangerous we can't trust them, uh, why are they still breathing? I mean, seriously. <laughs> if they've proven themselves to be so criminally off, so criminally bad people, why aren't we hanging them? Well, before I don't want to be we worry the about hanging <laughs> them, let's worry about getting laws that will put them behind bars. That's for because sure. Because right now, in many cases, we don't even have those laws mm. uh, set up for us. Well, they're not administered well, there's evenly. Lots, there's I'll lo- not there's, say fairly. I will say evenly. There's lots of laws on the books, but we, our system of enforcement is crazy, and it's well. That's what I'm saying. In Jacksonville, you can have your friend, you know, was in jail or in trouble or wherever you were with whatever quantity that was. But in Jacksonville, he would have gotten a it traffic was, ticket. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't my friend. So it's uneven. I just, I just, the enforcement is uneven. I just observed the. It wasn't my friend that had. It was. It was. I just observed it. Oh, it was somebody, somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody there. Right. It was just somebody else there that I observed, but. I tell you one thing to keep in mind, there are a lot of people making a lot of money on the rehabilitation issue. So there's people wow. that Preferred are making yeah, yeah, there yeah. are people as a lot of us paid by Medicaid or paid by taxes, there are people that are in business to rehabilitate people and they are not wanting to build more prisons because they're making a lot of money off of letting them out and put them on mm-hmm. in the process system well, we and can't. rehabilitating them so uh we need to watch our lawmakers and make sure that they're not in a business that would conflict with what we're talking about oh you mean those ethics laws where they have to disclose what business they're doing yeah, it affects just, the legislation oh yeah. yeah that stuff why does a judge have to accuse himself but a legislator can pass laws that will put money in their bank account but a judge has to accuse himself that sounds like uh you talk about uneven laws I agree. Hey, don't forget about the clean house guarantee from Arrow Plumbing. They guarantee their expert is going to clean after himself. You know, when they come in and do some work on your plumbing, can lead to some water being around, things of that nature. They'll clean all that up. They're going to leave your home clean, or they'll send a professional to clean your entire home. That's arrowplumbing.net, or on Google, just look for Arrow Plumbing. And don't forget, if you're thinking about claiming your Social Security benefits anytime soon, like yours truly will, February of next year, I'll be thinking about it seriously, uh, you want to stop and think about making sure you attend uh, David Lucas's educational maximizing Social Security class on Friday, July the 13th, it can literally save you thousands of dollars and retirement dollars that you'll be getting from your Social Security over the rest of your lifetime uh, because the decision you make can trigger avalanches of taxes. It can uh, screw up and double up your Medicare premiums. So you'll want to attend this. It's going to be, again, on Friday, July the 13th. It makes claiming your benefits simple and easy. Registration, $18, includes a 34-page workbook, maximizing your social security benefits seating is uh, very limited david told me yesterday just a couple of seats are remaining so you need to call today 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com all right i talked to uh during the break i was talking to rose uh mims from right to life and we were talking a little bit about the uh, nominee, which we'll find out Monday, and we'll talk about on Tuesday. 
uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll find out who it is that the president wants to nominate uh, for the uh, vacant seat for Justice Kennedy. But from what I can tell uh, from the uh, Democrats and from the liberals, uh, (laughs) this is going to be a scorched earth fight. Like they're not all that way. Well, Every no, not, single not, one. Not as bad as when it comes. Look, Gorsuch wasn't as bad as it could have been. If if he'd been up and somebody else had already had that seat and then Kennedy was out and Gorsuch was up for Kennedy's seat, this is go- I believe this is going to be as bad as Thomas and Bork. Oh, I hope not. That's what I – well, I'm but just telling you. But you're probably right. I'm telling right. you. Because they don't have the numbers to stop it. And because they don't have the numbers yep. to stop it. They'll do anything. Let me tell you, the narrative that's going to be put out there is going to be unbelievable. And uh, the media is going to get involved in this strongly as well. I mean, I don't know if we'll have pubic hairs on Coke cans or not. But it's going to get bad. Does everybody remember they, Thomas and the pubic hair? You bet. <laughs> you don't remember that. Paul doesn't. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I'm a little younger than that. <laughs> right, I mean, and I mean, they even there's a term now that we use that you get. You know, they borked that right. guy yes. because Robert of what they did. Bork. What they did to Robert Bork, who would have been an awesome. Yeah, Supreme but Teddy Court Kennedy Justice. destroyed him. Yep, literally destroyed mm. him. Uh, in the committee, it was disgusting what he did to him. Right. So the so the nuclear option is already on the table here, I guess. And oh, so, but absolutely. So they pulled that one back during the Gorsuch right. fight. Right. So so I guess I guess I don't know what the procedures are on the Senate and the U.S. and the U.S. Um, need Senate, fifty votes. So they need fifty. One, I 51. Well, you need 50 because you 50 got the vice president already. Yeah, right. you got and pants, so, so you got to get 50. Right. So how do they stop debate, or is it just endless? Uh, is that what the issue is here? That they're they just, can change just, the rules anytime they want to. But it takes 51 it takes to 50, change the It's going to take 51, and that can be done that can without be done. much. So that's, that's another nuclear option. And I know that, that you're saying, well, look, Collins has already said that you know she's not going to be uh, an easy one. Well, we can lose one or two. Because I think we pick up one or two Democrats. Well, as usual, Collins is talking out of both sides of her mouth. You know, but I'm just saying we'll we'll pick up one or two because look, Manage in West Virginia, Manchin, Manchin, if if he's of the of the persuasion now that he doesn't think that he can win, then he might not care. Well, we have about three different Democrats in red states. I can't. You got Donnelly of Indiana. If they want to get reelected. And if they don't, then we get a predominance. Yeah, uh, then we just come right back and whack them really hard. (laughs) We can really whack them then. I hope Donald Trump whacks them with a choice. The only two, the only two (laughs) that we really have to worry, I think, are Collins and what's her name out of Alaska? I I, I almost hesitate. Is that her name? Murkowski. Murkowski. All right. They're both pro-choice. What about Rand Paul? Can we trust him? Yeah, well, you can trust Rand Paul. Rand Paul will be there when because it's only economic things that he kind of goes yeah. off the rails. Yeah, on. It's, yeah. It's, it's the chips. Yeah. The chips are down. He'll think, vote. Yeah, he voted. I, I he voted to get rid pretty. of the ACA too. That's true. Now, I mean, the only thing that I would worry about is that McCain would crawl off of his <laughs> deathbed and and show up to throw a well, vote. Well, but he, he might need Wouldn't to show up to vote for it. No, you, no, 
but now, I he, wouldn't be surprised if he, if he can, were against If he it. can really put his finger in Trump's eye, he'll do it. He'll do every it every time. And it's and it and it's damned the people of the United States with John McCain mm-hmm. now as far as that goes. That's right. He showed that with ACA. That's but, right. So what's what's going to be the issue though if he can't actually get there? He's a he's a he's a he can't vote. No, if no. You're, if you're if not there, he won't be able to still, no, still is, have to have 51 votes is, is whether that, he's in the room or not. Is that going to be a problem, though? It yeah. could very well be. We'll have to see. Yeah. We'll see. But we're going to we're going to find out. You know, McCursk, what's her name up Murkowski. there? Mikowski. <laughs> up there in uh, Alaska. <laughs> Alaska is libertarian, but conservative libertarian. Mm-hmm. She could find herself tossed out if she doesn't put a conservative mm-hmm. on the supreme court collins she's from what massachusetts or whatever i mean mm-hmm. she's from the east she's a she's a conservative you know considered up in the east conservative which is, moderate yeah. which is which is maybe a little liberal democrat in arkansas yeah yeah i mean she's i'm just saying you know it was just like when you talk about uh uh oh, what's his name that ran for the president now there's wants to be senator Bernie. of utah oh Oh, 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 sorry. Um, Can't think of his name right now. I've, I've been trying Mitt to forget. Romney. Yeah, Romney. Yes. I've, been, I've been trying to forget about him <laughs> ever since me. he ran, but the bottom line is he's he's going to be a he's senator. Coming back. And he's already said, I don't know if I'll if I'll get in there and follow with uh, with Trump. Yeah, if you want to get reelected, you better. I'm just saying. And didn't keep him from being elected yeah. as senator. No, well, I don't want him to have principles. I want him to have principles. Did you hear who. Did you hear who uh, Trump uh, interviewed today? Who? Yes. Mike Lee. Yes. Senator Mike Lee. Mitt Romney is for the socialist pick. Republican. Paul. Yeah, he, he is a socialist Republican. What's that now? Mitt Romney is a oh. socialist Republican. Yeah, yeah. You can use that term with him. <laughs> All right. I, I We've got some of his lives here. We're done, guys. R.G., thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. My pleasure. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> yes, sir. Bible guys are next. But the news is first. Coming your way. All right. Five o'clock hour on a Tuesday, and of course that means the Bible guys are here back with us uh, again this week. Is uh, Scott Stewart, pastor over at Agape Church? He is back in the studio with us. Hello, Steve is here as well. Hello, Agape Church located at seven hundred one Napa Valley Drive in Little Rock. Their Sunday service time at ten a.m. Their website aclr dot org all right so if you want more information steve you were here last week we had a a question from paulette dealing with restoration and uh, forgiveness i mean we hear you know you know you you peter asked christ how many times should i forgive my brother seven times you know because what was the what was the law back there three times and so he he said like seven or whatever he said 70 times seven 70 okay yeah and then and that's what jesus said to, to peter then 70 times seven or unlimited right uh forgiveness uh and so she was asking because i mean a lot of people hear this preached in in church and they they hear you have to forgive you must forgive mm. i mean when we say the lord's prayer yeah it says you know forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin uh against us so uh, that's all stuff we got to keep in mind but what do you do when a marriage breaks up and how does restoration work then she says i wrote 
last week to inquire about the restoration and participation of my ex-husband, and there were some comments from the pastor and his associate. That would be Billy. Billy was Mm -hmm. here. Regarding the nature of our separation and divorce, there has never been a true physical danger or abuse. Our relationship got rocky as it became clear there was a mental disorder, later diagnosed as bipolar. His erratic and unsettling behavior and mental inconsistency led to the separation and divorce. It was not a dangerous situation, but an unhealthy one for the kids and I. Would you ask the pastors if this clarification and information would alter their advice giving during last week's program? Mm -hmm. This is somebody, it's very obvious to me, that wants to be able to walk in a holy manner. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, I mean, I feel this way sometimes about forgiveness. I feel feel like you're walking kind of through a minefield, you know, on it. Uh, so, what what's your guys' thoughts on it now, Steve? Any change in your thoughts? Well, yeah, and my comments are about uncertain about the rest of it. it it's still um, <laughs> this is one of those that you almost have to have uh, the person in to give really pure good counsel. You need to, to sit know the, down and talk to, to know the whole story, right? I, yeah. And um, and the reason I said the way I said it was you have to be careful because you don't know the motives of the person, even if it's not an abusive situation, even as a person. Um, in this case, that that had some issues, and I guess they've obviously got them worked out to an extent that they want to say, "Hey, look, I've got healed, I've got delivered, I've got, um, I've been seeing a doctor, whatever the case is." But I want to be able to um, either maybe not come back into the marriage, but at least make right where I made wrong. And the one thing you have to be cautious about is if if she has resolved in her mind that no, this is over. Then now you have to be cautious about the confusion of the children on how much you're going to allow participate. Does it look like um, dad's coming back in? Um, or if it's absolute, then you are the one that's going to have to um, – you can still offer forgiveness but also keep a boundary up, if you will, or even limited time. But it's really kind of difficult to give a complete answer on your yeah. thoughts. Yeah, it is It is difficult um, just having a, a couple of uh, – uh, emails have come in for this. this this would typically be something that you would counsel with someone for several weeks and then you would lay out some very gradual reintegration you know things you, you would you would take time with uh with this but um obviously forgiveness needs to be offered by all of us um and um but forgiveness is not necessarily does not necessarily mean that you then that you then allow someone back into your life you can forgive them and release them even in your heart, but you still have the responsibility of protecting yourself and protecting your your children. I've had people do things to me. I mean, Steve and I went through something recently. You know, we both have forgiven this individual. Um, actually, you know, actually have sympathy for the person, but there's there's no boundary set up um, to uh, to ensure some type of a protection. So, um, I think it's an honorable thing to want to reintegrate the father into the lives of the kids. I think that's the right thing that you need to uh, yep. go towards. But I personally, this is my this is my counsel to you, and I, I don't I don't want to you know give any advice that would you know, that someone would take and go too far with. So what I would suggest before you actually allow him uh, back in, I would say that, that both of you just need to go see a counselor. 
if you re- I mean if this is really serious and this man's about to enter in back into your family that means he's coming well, to Well you're thinking seriously of letting him back right. into your family. That means he's coming to birthdays, he's coming to Thanksgiving, he's coming to Christmas, he's getting back involved, he's going to want to take them on vacation with him. If this is the the floodgates opening for a whole new change in the way that you do life, I would before I would even start, I would actually seek out someone who could counsel me and in my situation with my ex-husband in the room uh, and work this through and maybe have someone help you set some boundaries. There's a great book by Boundaries. Who's that written by? Um, um, he's mm-hmm. written several books on boundaries and relationship and so forth. Uh, uh, I've drawn a blank on this. At any rate, um, that would be my counsel to you, um, that uh, I would get some counsel before and, making such a huge change. Yeah. And if it's not about integrating back into a relationship, if it's just about allowing them to participate more with the the children then then the you would need to absolutely let him know that hey for the sake of the children i'm going to let you be around more for birthdays or whatever but you need to understand we're not getting back together and you need to clarify that to the children as well that hey we're allowing dad to participate more but you need the to kids understand hopes we'll get high again right. dad's showing up mom and dad are getting back together and yep yeah all right just uh some things to think about because it's serious serious yeah issue about letting somebody back in, and you know, was it half of a Ameri- half of most of Ameri- marriages end up in a divorce nowadays? So mm-hmm. this question that was named Pauline, Paul- yes, Paulette, Paulette, that Paulette asked probably applies to a lot of you that are listening right now. You have separated or divorced from your spouse; children are involved. How do you walk this thing out? Are you living in in a practical forgiveness as well as you know intentional pr- forgiveness? So. Um, I would encourage everybody to seek forgiveness and to release people. Don't keep anybody caged up in your heart. The Bible says if you don't forgive those who sinned against you their trespasses, then the Lord won't forgive you either. So you don't want to walk around with unforgiveness in your heart. But but that doesn't mean that you let someone who, who beat you senseless That's back right. in your house. So how, right. how, do, how does a person who forgives someone, yet they're not going to let them have any kind of place in their life you know i forgive that what you did to me you know how do they protect themselves through i don't know well-meaning believers who would say but you have to that's part of the whole forgiveness it depends again i mean it depends on the situation because if we're talking about something that's physical even if you're not talking if you're talking just you know male to male female to female friend to friend whatever the case is Restoration, forgiveness means restoration, and I often use the, the idea of um, God and Israel. God uh, has a relationship with His people, Israel. When He forgave them, He allowed them back into that place of intimacy, that place of relationship. And oftentimes, we make this statement with regards to forgiveness: to say, "Well, I forgive, but I'll never forget." Well, then you really haven't forgiven. And if you can't restore relationship, the whole thing about forgiveness, it even says. When our brother or sister has trespassed, to go and get them to restore them back to fellowship. So, with friends, and if you're forgiving somebody, then that means relationship can be restored. Does that mean you keep one eye a little bit wider open because maybe they were somebody who ripped you off? Then, yeah, you're going. That that's a boundary in the thing. You say, well, I'm just gonna, I'm not going to enter into business with that person again, um, or it may take years or whatever, whatever it is that you determine until you're comfortable. But you still you don't shut off relationship and then call that forgiveness. There has to be a way of restoration to that. Just as just as a way of an example, there's a story in Mark's Gospel, chapter eight, 
And uh, Jesus, this is the only time Jesus ever had to pray twice for somebody to be healed. So he goes to this place, and uh, they bring a blind man to him. The Bible says he, he, they're in Bethsaida. He bring a blind man to him and ask him, can you pray for him? And interestingly, what the Bible says is Jesus does not pray for him right then. The Bible says he takes him by the hand, and he leads him out of town. Now, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you might want to get him to do something in your relationship but it might mean that he has to take you by the hand and get you out of town, lead you away from it to bring into your life what he needs. Mm-hmm. And beyond that, when he prays for this man, the man's sight is not fully restored. So he prays for him a second time, which this, this really brings up a lot of issues about people who believe in, well, God will do whatever God wants to do and so forth, and, and we can deal with that at some other time. But here's the point I was getting at. After the man opened his eyes and saw clearly, Jesus said to him, okay, don't tell anybody in that town what happened to you. And then he said, and don't even go back to that town. So Jesus right there, he drew a a boundary. This man had gotten a healing. If he would have gone back to that town and talked to those people, they probably would have talked him out of his healing. Oh, that's just some faith either. Oh, you'll probably lose it by the end of the night. I mean, they would have talked him out of it. So Jesus, Jesus was not advocating unforgiveness. But he was obviously drawing a barrier saying, there's a certain place you just don't need to go anymore. And uh, and just don't go back there. Here's people you don't need to talk to anymore. So boundaries are very much a part of how we um, should be dealing with the things that happen in our life. Forgiveness needs to be given to everyone who asks for forgiveness, even before they ask for it. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't build boundaries and not communicate, not talk, not even visit with each other. If you're wanting to start back something up with someone who's hurt you or abused you and you believe they're okay, my suggestion to you would be this. You start off your, your time together in public places. You say, we're going to go to church together. We're going to go to this meeting together. We're going to go out to this cafe. But going to places alone, bringing them over to your house, I would say do not do that. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I got a really controversial thing for you guys. Awesome. Okay. Something really controversial. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it. Stick around here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so I saw this article yesterday, and I wanted to bring it up to you guys. Okay. All right, there is a gentleman out, an author, who claims cannabis was widely available across the Middle East 2,000 years ago, and people at the time used it to treat the sick and infirm. According to the author, holy anointing oils used in the early days of the Christian church, contained this K-A-N-E-H-B-O-S-E-M, an ingredient that Bionstock suggests was a cannabis extract. Now, in Exodus, there is a recipe given that uh, contained almost three kilos or six pounds of an as yet unidentified herb, identified as this. Mm-hmm. While most historians think the herb refers to calamus, have you ever heard of calamus? Okay. It is a root extract, also known as sweet flag, that has been used for its medicinal properties for thousands of years. Others argue that Kenneth Bosom, which was extracted into about six quarts of olive oil, along with a variety of other fragrant herbs, 
was cannabis or a cannabis extract. Beigenstock claims Jesus himself would have taken cannabis. Jesus himself was anointed, and if that anointing involved using cannabis oil, then he certainly did use it, he claimed. When you examine the amount of Jesus' anointing, it is described in terms of psychoactivity. It's described in terms of when Jesus has this profound experience that transforms him. This is a big indication of the centrality of anointing was to Jesus and his flock that he would take the name Christ the Anointed. By the way, uh, John Musselman, a professor of botany at Old Dominion University, said evidence claiming marijuana was part of the holy anointing oil is so weak I would not even pursue it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, where do you start with this? I'm just saying. Uh, right. Well, you know, well, first of all, <laughs> it's hard. Let me just uh, say that yeah. some people are saying, well, Dave, why are you even bringing this up? I'll tell you why I bring it up. Because 10 years ago, I you you wouldn't get me to believe that Americans or or good minority of Americans could believe that a boy could be a girl and yeah. a girl could be a boy. Yeah. When you said that you had a great controversy to give us, I thought you were going to ask us hamburgers or hot dogs tomorrow. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. <laughs> that was the great controversy. Or ribs. Or ribs. Yeah, which beef one? Is, rib. Beef rib. Which one do you go for? Um, okay, I'll just I'll just start uh, kind of shotgunning over here, and Steve can jump in. Uh, first of all, the whole idea about uh, him being uh, this, the great anointing, so he could be called Christ. He was anointed by God. That's right. From heaven. This is, has nothing to do with some root extract. I mean, the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and anointed him by the Spirit. It was not a big drop of of oil falling from the sky. It was a spiritual Holy Ghost anointing upon his uh, upon his life. Secondly, the man has to realize that the, all the early first century Christians were all Jews. These were not, you know, rampaging uh, Gentiles out. These were Jews who, many of them, Barnabas, one of the great apostles, he was a Levite. These people knew how to, especially Levites, would have known how to make anointing oil for the temple. Uh, And they knew how to use um, the uh, balsa wood, the different stuff, the different ways they would extract the oil for anointing purposes. We have archaeological uh, finds where it actually has anointing oil places. I think they even found anointing oil in the Dead Sea, uh, one of the Dead Sea caves. Um, this man probably uses cannabis himself, and he's written several books about marijuana. Yeah. Right, so he's he's in favor. Of, so what he's doing, he's looking to bring the Christian community in to get them to buy into this, so he can sell some product or something. But this is absolutely out with the pale. Yeah, it, you know, he falls into this category. He's probably one of them older professors. You know that he just that's how he experienced experienced religion back in the sixties and seventies, and. <laughs> So Jesus had to be a hippie. Listening to Bob uh, Bob Marley. <laughs> and so there's this idea, and it pick just like you said, you would you wouldn't have thought just ten years ago. But now you got people pushing, and he's got an agenda, and he's trying to say that you know that Jesus and his disciples were a bunch of chaco wearing hippies just walking around, and they were putting oil on themselves and getting high. And it, he's got an agenda. He's trying to make it to where. Uh, do I doubt, which we kind of talked a little bit off air, that there were medicinal reasons for these plants? Yes, but he's not really pushing that like most people who are trying to push medical marijuana or these other things. Their hidden agenda is they're trying to make a point uh, to be able to go out and get high, be able to go out and push it even further. It's the same reason when you talk about, well, the alcohol is mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, but it also speaks against being drunk. 
so yeah they're they're trying to push a boundary to to open up a door to take something a little further than the bible just not and it's trying to delegitimize Jesus too. That's right. And delegitimize his his miracles. That's right. Uh, I mean, you can you can drown someone in this uh, whatever oil he's talking about, and it's not going to cause uh, a hand to grow, a that's withered right. hand to appear. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. For people I, to suddenly hearing to restore see. eyes to eyesight to come back. And I think we also need to listen to the, the, a botanist said. Now he said historians say this. Okay, historians are good for history. Botanists are good for what plants can do. Mm-hmm. And so finally, we have a botanist on here. Is that um, that's me? Is that you, Dave? That's me. We're supposed to turn our phones off yeah, during. I there got, is a silent feature on I that phone. <laughs> so we have a. Oh, bot- I know. I turned it up so I could hear Schwarber hit his home run today. Oh, right. Good <laughs> job. <laughs> so we have a botanist saying that this is just a bunch of uh, nothing, and uh, or they say, what do they say now, nah, nothing burger. So uh, and that's that's exactly, it's a nothing burger, and that's exactly what this is. Well, you have to go on the point. What you're talking about is to delegitimize so if they just say well he got these revelations because he was high or he's able to do these healings because he was using this particular drug or oil whatever the case is they're trying to delegitimize delegitimize who he was well if you're a non-believer just know you're a non-believer because of other reasons than right. just because you think jesus used marijuana yeah and this actually what a great thing to talk about a place where you could go and get educated and not get all these people who take these ridiculous ideas, modern interpretations uh, to the scriptures. Fifteen but to go, seconds. But go to go Where do we go find, to get educated? You need Steve. to go to the AmericanInstitute.org to learn about the Hebraic <laughs> culture and the context of all of these scriptures, and you wouldn't go and buy any of this goofiness. There you go. <laughs> yeah. If you know what, if the Bible doesn't say it, don't buy into That's it. it. Right. That's yeah. the bottom line. All right, news is next, and we'll be back. Well, we got a half hour left, and we're gonna, we got the Bible guys here. If you have a question, 823-0965. We'll take your uh, your question here live on the air, 823-0965. If you, uh, you still have time to send me an email and send it to BibleGuys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R.com. We had about five... Uh, emails arrived last week uh, during uh, the time we were on the air. But uh, feel free to get involved in the discussion here on the show. Don't forget about RD over at Sunny's Auto Salvage, uh, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. As I told you, a big deal when you're looking to fix up a car like I fix up my uh, SUV. And uh, I'm not looking to spend a whole lot of money on a taillight or on a uh, a back wiper blade or something like that and i'm not looking to spend uh you know two thousand dollars on a transmission if i can save 50 percent on that transmission and instead of paying 250 dollars for a taillight i only pay 50 bucks i'm going with sunny's auto salvage your number one choice for recycled auto parts off of one of those well-maintained total loss vehicles that he has in his salvage yard. And if he doesn't have the part, he has hooked up to thousands of other salvage yards all across the United States and Canada, and they can ship it in, and you still get the guarantees and the standard warranties. They offer one-, two-, and three-year warranties on all of their parts. That's uh, Sonny's Auto Salvage. Save your money with the number one choice for recycled auto parts. Their number is 982 982-74. Five, one. All right, so in this last uh, 22 so minutes that we have, let's talk about 
our founding fathers. Mm-hmm. One of the big myths that have been perpetuated over the last, since about the 80s, has been that the founding fathers were nothing but a bunch of deists mm-hmm. who uh, believed that there was a God, but he wasn't a personal God, and he wasn't a God that took uh, part in men's affairs or anything like that. Uh, or if they weren't a deist, uh, they just believed God was a really cool dude that was real moral. And uh, and, I, and I'll admit, Jefferson probably fell into that camp for a good portion of his life, not at the end of his life, but in a good portion of his life. You, everybody knows about the, the Jefferson Bible. However, most of the founding fathers were Christians. Mm-hmm. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Steve and and to Scott, and let them talk about that, and, and not only talk about that, but talk about how during uh, the founding of this nation, it was all about Judeo-Christian belief, not about Christian belief. That's something else where we've lost mm-hmm. here in the last 20 years, is to forget that we are a Jewish-based religion. Yeah, You know, we don't stand by ourselves. I, I always like the old saying that, you know, if 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 Jesus as a Jew isn't part of Christianity. There is no Christianity. That's right. Now, if there's no Jesus in Judaism, there's still Jews right? because of what they believe. Mm -hmm. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Yeah, I think that um, this is a a classic um, example of uh, actions speak louder than words. We have have writings uh, of the Founding Fathers, and we have people with uh, built-in agendas who try to go in and try to – interpret what they meant to make what they make what they said something different but if you just look at what they did how they lived their lives um and the 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 things that they put forward in their own in their own um uh, you know personal life everything testifies to the fact that these were men of faith even jefferson himself although obviously a man in conflict with himself uh we have to realize that um, the U.S. talking about separation of church and state, which, just, which doesn't exist, but the U.S. Capitol building was a the first mega church in America. It had three church services going on every week, over three thousand people in attendance. It was a U.S. Capitol building that was used as the church, and the most faith, one of the most faithful congregants sat on the front row of church service every Sunday by the name of Thomas Jefferson. Uh, the all the presidents that would would go to church, they'd go to church, and there was three different denominations. One's congregational, I forget the other two, but they would choose and they would go to church at the Capitol building. As a matter of fact, Thomas Jefferson actually used American tax dollars to print Bibles to send mm-hmm. to the Indians. Um, I didn't think we were supposed to do that. So what happens is when people, when moderns try to interpret ancient texts, they insert their own ideology and own opinion and reinterpret what they believe they meant. Look at the lives of the men, and you'll see what they were trying to do, what they were conveying. Jefferson never meant separation of church and state. Why? Because his life was entirely in opposition to that very uh, agenda, uh, regardless of what you think he wrote or what he didn't write. You want to talk about something that uh, our current Congress needs to remember. If I remember, it was right before the signing, There was a, they were kind of locked about um, – some of the issues and that they actually went down to the church and prayed as a group of people uh, to try and get resolve about this issue. So they were not. You're talking about about with the The, Washington. 
not just Washington, the original Congress, oh, when right. they were first meeting before yeah. the uh, signing of the Declaration. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it was what, three or four days, Dave, that they were just locked in yeah. in the uh, Independence Hall there before they... Not only locked in, but uh, Tom, not Thomas Jefferson, but um, oh, what's his name? Went to France. Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Nailed the window shut. So they couldn't get a bre- couldn't get a breeze. It was hot. Yeah, right. it was really hot, and he heated it up in Independence Hall. I've got a book in my library called God and Country, and it and it all it does is document all of these founding fathers and all of their quotes uh, that are not from a deist form. Yeah, there are some that are they're just talking about God, but most of them are talking specifically about Christianity. Scott mentioned the Bibles. The Bibles weren't just printed for Indians. There's another uh, you can go out there and find. It talks about that they were printed for the education in schools. It literally yes, says yep. that on the inside cover. Yes. Uh, this idea of the separation uh, is is ridiculous. Um, when when they wrote that letter, it was about um, making sure that you're not forced to keep whatever the state religion is. That's the not context. The state. The they, federal government. That's right. that's right. They had state religions mm-hmm. at the time. Right. right. It's yeah. kind of like if we were to look and say we're, we're critical, maybe say of Saudi Arabia because of, uh, they don't let any any other religion. So all we're saying to them is, hey, if you want to make Muslim um, Islam your religion, just allow other people to worship. That is the context of our. They're just saying we can't establish and force it upon everybody. Mm-hmm. But as we, as an American people, choose to be a Christian nation, then a Muslim's welcome to come in here. A Buddhist is welcome to come in here. But we as a people, and if you're in a public gathering and we're praying to the Lord, then just sit back and be quiet. <laughs> yeah. But you, we can't force you to become a Christian. That's the idea of the establishment. But there are so many other examples. I opened up the book of Isaiah uh, we even got the structure of our government from the Bible. In Isaiah 33, chapter 22, it says that the Lord is our judge, he is our lawgiver, and he is our king. This is where they pulled the idea of the judicial, legislative, and executive branches for our government. The Bible is sewn into the very fabric of this nation. This is part of the reason why, not part of it, this is the very reason why we have the blessings that we have in this nation. So we need to make sure we remember what we were given tomorrow. Yeah, two hundred forty-two years ago, and the fact that our original, uh, our founding, um, before even even before the the uh, founding fathers, um, the the ones who came to this place came seeking that religious um, freedom, the ability to worship God freely, which they did not have in the UK. And what a lot of people don't realize is they didn't. They I mean, most people think that they sailed straight from the UK to the US, and they actually didn't do that. They went to Holland first, and they spent a decade in Holland. And uh, what they did was they lived in the Jewish quarter of Holland. And while they were there, they lived there for 10 years. And while they were there, what they learned was, oh, our faith is actually Judaic. They learned the feast. They learned the Sabbath. They learned the Hebrew language. They learned the Hebrew language so much that when they finally did leave uh, the Netherlands and they headed to the New World on ship, they sat down and said, we're about to birth a new nation. What language should we speak? Should we speak English or should we speak Hebrew? I mean, if you can believe that, that was the two choices. They took a vote. Obviously, we're speaking English, so you know English won the vote. But English only won the vote by one, by one vote. We were that close to being a Hebrew-speaking nation. Can you imagine how we would – can you imagine how our churches would look different? How we could – we could all be reading the original languages of the Scripture. I mean, I wish wish Hebrew would have won. Who's that one guy? I mean (laughs) – Think about it. The vast majority of American males are circumcised. Mm-hmm. Why? Yep. Why are we circumcised? You might think other males in the world are. Listen, 
I've lived in nine different countries. They're not. I've had sons like my son Ethan was was born in uh, in Finland. I couldn't get him circumcised anywhere. I couldn't get him circumcised in Finland or in Germany or in Switzerland. You can't get, you don't get circumcised in the UK. None of these nations circumcise their children. Why do we? We do because the founders here had a Judaic connection to our faith, which involved circumcision, and they believed it. So even though Hebrew wasn't the national language, they made sure Hebrew was the the the, the university campus languages of Harvard and Yale in Princeton, in Dartmouth, in Columbia, when they founded these different universities. Even to this day, the Yale University crest has no English on it. It's all written in, in Hebrew. Amen. And if you can go back, and if you start going through the nation, if people want to start removing every reference to the things of God in the Bible, you're going to have to change the maps. You're going to have to change probably like a thousand cities. Uh, you know, We can't have Los Angeles be called Los Angeles anymore because it's dealing, dealing with the, the spiritual and the city of angels. We can't have St. Paul be saint paul anymore so this uh um, idea that we weren't founded on biblical values weren't founded on the christian faith um, is a new thing because they're trying to get god out of everything i mean how many cities and towns are there around the country that are named either bethlehem yep. or they're named jericho or they have some there's so many biblical names it Pentecost. is yeah, it is incredible uh, but most definitely, our founders had that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I actually the very first crest of the United States. Now we know it's the eagle with the the arrows and the olive branch. But the first one presented, which actually lasted for about a year and a half, was presented by Benjamin Franklin and one other gentleman. I don't remember his name. And uh, if you look at it, it's actually a pillar of fire, a cloud of smoke, or actually, it's a pillar of fire in the center, cloud around it. A sea, people drowning in the sea, a pharaoh on one side, and Moses splitting the Red Sea. It was a splitting the Red Sea from England to the United States. So they're splitting the, the the ocean and coming across. They they firmly identified not just religiously but nationally. This is our national idea that we were we were coming out of um, of slavery, being delivered like Moses would deliver the people. Now we got to get a break in when we come back. Uh, I'd like you guys to talk about uh, the founding of our universities okay. and how Judaism played a vital part mm-hmm. in all of that, and Judeo-Christian belief played a vital part in that. And when you look at them today, you wonder where they went wrong. Mm-hmm. We'll find out all of that when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Independence Day tomorrow. Uh, I was talking with uh, Elizabeth, and she and I like to say Independence Day because Fourth of July really doesn't do it to uh, justice it's independence day it's the day we got our freedom more coming your way in a moment all right back with you let's uh because uh, scott has some has some great information Mm -hmm. about the crest that like harvard and and princeton and 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 all of the great eastern uh schools what we call the ivy league now and look at it as the best education you can get. The most liberal areas of the country now mm. didn't start off believing what they believe today. The culture has completely changed. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah, the original um, original universities all were um, Bible schools. I mean, what Steve and I are doing right now with the American Institute 
is very similar to what those all started out, out as. They were started as institutions to train men of God. So every last one, most people don't know the, the school of Harvard. It's named after a minister. His name was John Harvard. He, he was a he was a minister. All these schools had were related to particular denominations, uh, but they were raised up as schools that would carry on the gospel of Jesus, this gospel of the Messiah throughout the United States to train ministers. That's why they were started. And as a matter of fact, they even said this at Harvard. There was a there's a there's an actual stone uh, that actually says that Hebrew is essential for every gentleman's education. I'm surprised that they even allow that stuff still yeah. to be on those campuses. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And there's actually a statue of John Harvard. And, um, they and got actually, a statue at Harvard? Yeah, at Harvard? he's sitting. But, you know, when, when I watched uh, like a like one of those uh, campus uh, questionnaires, uh-huh. and people didn't know who it was. Mm. I don't know if they have a name, a plaque on there or not, but it is um, John Harvard. And he was, a, he was a minister. And so these were all started, started as Bible schools for the purpose. And Hebrew was the underlying, underpinning foundation upon which the teaching was based. That's why... Dartmouth has at the very top of the Dartmouth crest. It has the word Yahweh written in uh, Yud Hey the Hebrew letters. That's why all of Har- uh, Prince, uh, Yale's crest is all written in uh, Hebrew. That's why you have these different. I was actually looking for them here in my um, this this one here is actually uh, I don't know if the camera can see that, but that right there that's the uh, that is um, Yale yeah, right turn there. Turn on. We can turn on the my camera here. I can bring it up. Yeah. Flip over our camera, my camera here, if you would, Russ. And this one here, this no, is... he's not in the studio, right? Okay, it says... He'll be right back. I'll, yeah, it says, it, it says, Urim Tuming. That's the, um, that's the um, you know, the Urim Tuming. That's what the um, the priest had. And here's that, um, this is that first uh, crest they put together. You see the, the pillar of fire? And, oh, yeah. And the, the cloud and, and the men coming across and uh, the drowning in the sea and... You have uh, you have the, the the words going around the top of it, so all the colleges started off. Um, I think it says rebellion against tyranny it's, is uh, is obedience to God. Is obedience to God, yeah. So um, so all these colleges started off as Bible schools with Hebrew as the underlying underpinning foundation. As a matter of fact, I mentioned about they took a vote on the Mayflower or not the Mayflower, but on one of the ships as far as um, what their new language was going to be. Um, well, I guess it could have been the Mayflower. They, and they took a vote, and it was Hebrew. Well, they brought it back up in 1781 again to vote, should we have Hebrew as our national national language? So it didn't fade, even though the first vote went to English. It still had as a part of the American psyche. Amen. It, it, we must remember uh, where we came from and what we were given. That's the one thing I always like to point out. When we talk about things like Memorial Day, we need to remember those uh, who have fallen and yep. sometimes we just kind of say flippantly freedom and we talk about tomorrow and i'm glad you made the point dave about uh it's independence uh, it's, day it's independence day and we don't understand what that means most of the people in this nation do not understand what it means and we we are currently in a turn this in a political sense a little bit we are currently voting in the people that we fought wars to get away from we are currently moving in a direction that causes us to put ourselves in more bondage uh, than we ever thought about being. So when you remember tomorrow, when you go out and celebrate the independence, it is our independence from tyranny, from oppression, from taxation without representation. But I would like to make this point. The ultimate Independence Day came about Nisan 1415, back in the year 30, when the Messiah came and died for our sins and gave us 
the ultimate freedom. And that's what our founders built this nation off of was that kind of freedom. They understand and understood the freedom that the gospel gave us. And we don't just need to remember the freedom that were given to us by our founding fathers in the sense of this nation and the Constitution, but what it was built upon and the freedom that the Messiah gave us. All right. Russ, can you turn on my camera? That would show me, and I want to just show this to the folks. That's the uh, first seal. Mm -hmm. All right. And notice uh, the pillar of fire with the clouds. That showed up during the time of Moses. That's right. To protect uh, the people of uh, the of Israel from uh, the Pharaoh, mm-hmm. and then that the the Atlantic Ocean yep. is is of course splitting, and that's King George drowning. Mm-hmm. All right, that's yeah. who that is. <laughs> yeah. All right, but around that it says rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. And can we show a crook that crest I think as I, well? Yeah, I think we swipe it one way. Yeah, yeah. find um, it. I'll just show you real quick. This here, this is um, this is Dartmouth. Dartmouth that says uh, El Shaddai at the top, and then it is Columbia that has Yahweh. I was I was wrong. So Columbia has Yahweh, and if you look, Dave, you can actually see First Peter down here. Uh huh. And um, and that's um, you, you, just, you can kind of flip through. Those are those are a few of the okay, universities. Just, just put it up so you can see it. This is the one that he says First Peter. Uh, as is at the bottom again this is not taught in your son and daughter's history class Mm -hmm. in high school just so you'll know all right and what what's the verse from first peter that's there Uh, the first peter uh chapter two verse one and two i think has to do with uh children but you can look that up there we're going to read that real quick for you look here there's another hebrew word here Mm -hmm. it says father of light okay and there you have the the yahweh uh, this is Dartmouth. that says El Shaddai at the top, and First um, so Peter. What? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. First two. Peter two. Yeah, verse one and two. One and two. That's Yale. Okay, and here's here's Yale's crest, so you can see it real quick. Just so you look at it again. No, that's Hebrew, folks. That's Hebrew. That's what that is. What's Yale. it say? It's Urim Batumim, the Urim and Thummim that the priest would use okay. to figure out what will of God right. was. And real quick, what does it say? First uh, Peter two one says, "Lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babies, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby." All right, Happy Independence Day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.